some holiday stragglers that uh, yeah so hello and welcome to the atheist experience today is sunday december 30th 2018 i'm your host tracy harrison with me today is co-host jen peoples hey how are you good how are you doing not bad all right the atheist experience is a production of the atheist community of austin a texas nonprofit educational organization dedicated to promoting separation of church and state positive atheist culture tonight anybody can come down and join us for dinner after the show at the ACA studio and Free Thought Library on Canyon Lane, we're having Indian food. Oh, okay. So that's cool. And also, I've got some notes here on the upcoming schedule. You might want to go to the ACA website and check out what's going on because for the next couple months, we're going to have some special guests scheduled. On January 13th, we've got Matt, who's going to be hosting No Illusions, who I think most people really love. Noah's pretty funny, if not a little, you know, acidic sometimes yeah. <laughs> in that humor. It can get dark, but I still laugh, uh, even though I sometimes feel guilty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I'm going to be hosting on the 20th with Mandisa Thomas, and then on the, the 3rd of February with Phil Ferguson, and then on the 17th, we're going to have Shelly Seagal, who does the theme. So yeah. uh, she does a lot of music. She has a lot of fans, and she'll be sitting with us and talking a little bit about her work. I think she's going to be on Godless Bitches with us as well. I think that may be correct. I remember All seeing right. some queries and saying, I, I'm, so, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever so you Stay tuned. Schedule. We're going to yeah, yeah. have her on everything as, as long as she's here. Yeah. When they come to town, we like to let people have a have a chat with them. And so I uh, just want to note uh, something that I announced last week where I've been asked to reiterate it. So on Facebook, we've added an Atheist Community of Austin Facebook page, and this is separate and distinct from the discussion page that we've been using. You can sign up there using a call to action button at that page. And if you'd like a digital copy of the new ACA magazine, Thinking Aloud, you can see our um, you can go there and click that button. So you can also see our events and volunteer opportunities. If you're interested in any of that, stop by. Feel free to check it out. And I've also been asked to once again talk about some of the things that we're producing here at ACA. We've got a lot of uh, content production going on for dissemination. Uh, I've got a list of all our productions. We've got the Atheist Experience, Talk Heathen, Nonprofits, Godless Bitches, the Preaching Humanist uh, Atheist Roundtable. Atheist interviews, secular sexuality, truth wanted, parenting beyond belief, and I think we're still spinning stuff out. So we've got yeah. more to come. Um, you know, it, it may be that some of this stuff just doesn't float your boat, and some of it yeah. does, and that's kind of why there's such a variety of stuff going out. If you don't like one thing or you don't like the way one show, you know, operates, you can watch another and see if it helps. They've got different people, some of them, and Different personalities, yeah. different talents, and uh, different formats, different topics, different, you know. Yeah. Because it's a big bunch of interests in this world. Yeah. And uh, I think that's it for me. Okay. Yeah, so uh, uh, this kind of a, is an interesting segue into an email we recently got um, from a guy who wanted to know why we don't uh, take the position that no gods exist. And he seemed to think that was very important that we took that position. 
And I responded to him and explained to him that um, most of us don't take that position because it's not necessary. Um, you know, if I'm interested in hearing what a theist is claiming, then uh, basically making my own claim that no gods exist is kind of a distraction from that. And I don't think it contributes anything to discussing what that theist believes, which is what I'm really interested in, is what you believe, why you believe it. Um, and he seemed to think that it's very important that we validate his position on that. So I'm perplexed about that. Um, I don't know why people need other people to validate their views on these things. If he wants to take that position... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see a problem with fun. saying, "Hey, can I get a you know a check on my logic here?" Like it's right. This is how it seems to me, and this is how I'm labeling this, and this is how I'm looking at it. And do you see any faults with it? Like, am right. I missing something here? Uh, and I can kind of understand how somebody would say, you know, "Am I missing something?" Because so many atheists are agnostic atheists, you know? right? And so I can see somebody saying, "I feel like agnostic atheism would be a rational position." Is there some reason that it wouldn't be? Um, for me, it's it's kind of a label question, right? So I tell right. people what I what I believe, why I believe it, and then I tell them if you consider that to be me being Gnostic, then I'm a Gnostic atheist, and I've just explained the reasons. Right. If you consider my position to be agnostic atheism, then I'm an agnostic atheist, and you, because to me, the reasoning behind it is the same. Right? There is no evidence. Mm-hmm. Right, that that we've seen, and it's like until like we talked earlier uh, before the show about the idea of if I tell you that I have a a pen in my hand and you see the pen in my hand, it is manifest to you. It is manifest to me. There is mm-hmm. the pen, and we agree that I have a pen in my hand. If I tell you I have an elephant in my hand, yeah, now we have a problem because yeah. now you're saying I don't see evidence of yeah. an elephant now. Later, if I can present you evidence that I actually do have an elephant, like, yeah, that's compelling, that would change your mind if you're a rational person, uh, and the evidence is compelling. Mm-hmm. But just the, the claim itself, if, it, if, I, if you don't get compelling evidence that I do have an elephant in my hand, or if you think that it's not possible to have an elephant, I say, oh, the elephant's right. very small, the elephant's yeah. very light, or the elephant. <laughs> um, I mean, there's all kinds of things that I could tell you about it, but initially, I mean, basically, if you get no compelling evidence for it, you're going to say either, I don't believe your claim, mm-hmm. or I believe there's no elephant there. Right. And to me, you can kind of take either position based on the same level of evidence. And I do get what people are saying about the idea that just because it can't be proven doesn't mean it's not true. Mm -hmm. And that is correct. And yet, colloquially, all the time, we say that things are not just because there's no evidence. Like if I say to somebody, grab me that... Uh, apple that's in the basket, and they go over and there's no apple in the basket, they're going to say, there is no apple. They're not going to say, it seems to me that there is no apple in this basket. I mean, they're going to look, they're not going to see an apple, they're going to say there's no apple in the basket. And and people talk with that type of language use all the time. So it seems a little special pleading to me when people try to take issue with the fact that, oh, wait, you're saying there is no God, but you can't, just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there, or just because you can't prove it doesn't mean it's false. It's like, well, just because I don't see an apple in the basket doesn't mean there's not and some kind of 
you know, right. weird thing going on where there could be some sort of apple in that basket, and I don't know. And But, yeah. I mean, if it looks just like an empty basket or if it looks like a, ba- a basket of pears or oranges, I mean, maybe I don't see the apple. Maybe it's underneath something right. else. And, you know, or, and the guy went on to describe a process where you would declare that something does not exist using, you know, Bigfoot and, you know, some other good examples. And I don't disagree with that. But it's the same thing. Do I know that there is no primate living in North America? Well, as far as I know, it seems like no. Right. There's no primates living. I mean, and, nothing and that so, I... you know, based on, you know, the absence of evidence where there should be evidence if right. the claim is true, then you could say, yeah, that claim is not true. And you could evaluate gods on, on the same basis, and I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, some gods absolutely can't, are, are, are right. logically, you know, logically non-consistent. And, and his thing was, well, why don't you guys do that on the show? And it's like, well, because we're inviting theists to call us and tell us what they believe and why they believe it and why we should believe it too. Yeah. And so I don't actually need to say, and oh, by the way, you know, your God is an impossibility until I actually hear their claims and understand, you know, how they're evaluating their evidence. And then I might say, no, that God can't exist. Or maybe I'll say, okay, you know, if you're calling the universe God, well, I agree the universe exists. I just don't call yeah. it God, you know. For me, it's just like however somebody wants to label it, all yeah. I'm ultimately saying is the same thing, which is I, ha- I have encountered no evidence that is compelling that convinces me that there is such a thing. Mm-hmm. And I fully understand that, you know, the evidence could exist and maybe I have not encountered it yet. Right. And, and that's fine. And if some, like I say, if someone calls that Gnostic atheism, then I'm a Gnostic atheist. If they will, if they call it an agnostic atheist, then I'm an agnostic atheist. I don't care what you call it. That's right. just what I think. And, and getting back to the idea that there's something, you know, there's a different approach for everyone here yeah. because everybody's got something different they want to see. And just because we're not giving you the approach that you would like to see, maybe there's another show that does. Or you could make your own show if you want to have the, uh, I'm the Gnostic atheist experience or whatever and and put that out there you could do that too so we don't claim to be all things to all people yeah with that i guess if we want to move to a call here we have other emails by the way we're going to talk a little bit about some emails today (laughs) yeah we've got some other things but let's hit some calls so um we're going to go with Misty in Nebraska was good enough to help us with our phone check earlier uh, before the show. And Misty, you are on with Tracy and Jen. And it says here that you are looking for advice on how to speak about death with your son uh, because your his grandfather, I guess, will be dying soon. And that's where where family is. I'm not sure what that last part is from the call screener, um, but is that about right? Yeah, that's about right. So um, I'm an atheist. I've been an atheist actually since the day my son was baptized, which is a whole nother story. But yeah. um, so essentially his his grandfather, you know, we didn't think he'd make it till Christmas and he did. Um, my son's father and I share custody. His father is a theist. His grandfather is a theist. All of my family is a theist with the exception of my husband. And so they've had several talks with him. We've sat down as a family and, and I remain quiet. Why, you know, during the time that his grandfather and grandmother are saying, you know, oh, I'll be going to heaven, I'll be watching you. And then at night when I come, you know, we come home and I, I tuck my son in, in bed and he's like, well, mom, you know, what do you think? And I say, well, I think that everyone has a different theory on what happens. My son is nine. He's, he's okay. okay. it's just, it's hard. I don't know if I'm saying the right thing to him. And, and that's why I was calling you guys. I, I do want to hear what, 
what you think because what? I always say some people think you come back as a dog. <laughs> I'm going to say that go you know, Jen having raised a son probably yeah. is a good person to answer this. Yeah. Um, yeah, my son is 13 and we first uh, confronted the issue of death with him when he was fairly young. He was about uh, two and a half when our French bulldog died. Um, and so this was a dog that we had before he was born. So, you know, he it, from the time he was aware of pets, this dog was there. And so we had to explain to him as a two-and-a-half-year-old kid this concept of death that, you know, Dana, we would take Dana to the vet, and the vet would give her some medicine that would make her go to sleep, and she just wouldn't wake up. And so that was his initial introduction to death. And it was very sad. We were going to miss her. But, you know, everybody dies eventually. Um, and we, we try to make it, you know, as a this is a normal part of life. And she's very old. She's very sick. And and this is w- what we have to do for her. Um, I think, isn't this why, I mean, some parents actually buy short-lived pets for small children in order yeah. to sort of illustrate this point. Like you, you let the child have the pet, the pet lives its right. life, the pet dies, and then you can sort of have this illustration yeah. to lean on. Like I let's mean, get him a hamster it, it, yeah, or a and, goldfish. or and, and doing it you know, with a pet because the children have an emotional connection with the pet. And so you know, they do experience a sense of loss. And, and in the aftermath of this, he cried. You know, he's very sad. And then, you know, the next, I guess, round of this was when um, we had to have one of our cats euthanized. And he was about six at the time. So that really hit him hard because, um, you know, at six, he's very aware now of of a little more of, of what death means, that they're not coming back. Um, and so that one was really tough for him. And... That was when he told us that um, he wanted to be there when we had Griffin euthanized. And so How old he, was he, did you say? He was about six years old. Okay, okay. And so... I would probably allow that. Yeah, we allowed him to do that. And w- what we discovered was that the child's imagination of what is happening in this process is probably worse than the reality. Oh. So and it so, was cathartic. Yeah, and, and and again, you know, very sad. He was just very emotional, just <laughs> sobbing over this, which is a healthy response to losing a pet. Um, and then, you know, when when my mother died, um, we exp- he wasn't there for that um, because my mother lived in Alabama. But he was very aware that Grandma Jean was dying, and that she was, you know, she was very old and yeah. she was very sick. And they will come is- and put her to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not. I, okay, but, I don't know if that know, was horrible humor or not. But no, we've we've tried to present death as kind of a normal part of life, and that you know when you when you come to the end of your life, however long or short that is, you just stop. Yeah. And I guess I have a question for Misty though. Are you? <sighs> Were you asking what I, what I just suggested that Jen answer and what Jen did answer, or are you more concerned about the fact that you have actual family that has a right to talk to him about conflicting opinions about what happens for sort of like afterlife? Like, is this about a discrepancy between you and the father of how you're explaining what happens after death, or is this really about how to address death with him? 
just how to address death with him because he, yeah. you know, my okay. son, well, both my son's father and my son know I'm an atheist. Okay. And so when okay. my son, I see him looking at me when his grandpa's like, I'll be watching you. You know, I'll be here every day. You know, I'll be in heaven. I'll come down and watch you as you grow <laughs> Which up. Which is just and creepy I, as fuck. I mean, <laughs> I know. It, it, <laughs> I'm sorry, but it that really is. is. And so then he, that's when we go home and he goes, well, mom, what do you believe? And I yeah. say, I believe everyone believes something different, but I don't know if that's the answer because I really don't believe. Well, I do believe that, but I believe. Yeah, it's not. Un- yeah. Grandpa, I, I kind of sleep, like the best, it. the best thing I liked about what Jen said was the concept of they don't come back. Right. And to me, that is the big thing. It's like you can speculate all day long about where they went or if they went somewhere or what is going on or what isn't going on or there's no more brain function or, you know, and I can go on and on and on about it. But the the one thing I think we mostly agree on, at least, you know, the the majority of people in general would agree that um, you're not going to see them again. Right. Yeah. There are some people who will be like, you'll see them when you die. But, uh, grandpa's not going to be visiting, right? Right. And that, I think, is the thing that as long as the kid absorbs that, um, then he really gets the important aspect of what death means, that, that you will not be seeing this person anymore like you do now. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I will. I'll give that a shot. It's just, it's hard with the family members saying something so different. Well, and see, that's yeah, what I was I wondering. Bad guy. I don't have a happy story to tell. <laughs> but it is, a, it is a happy you story. Know. I mean, if you, it, I, to me, it's sort of like we all get a, a shot at life, right? Like it's wonderful to have a life. And Grandpa had a really good life, and he's lived to see his children grow up. He's lived to see his grandchildren. He's mm-hmm. done all the things in life that, you know, many people don't get to do. Some people die when they're young. Right. So Grandpa has had a really long life, has a productive life. He has family around him at his death. And um, and this is kind of just how things are. Things live, things die. It's a cycle on the planet, you know. And uh, I know that some people do have a a stronger reaction to it, right? Like mm-hmm. we have entire groups of people who actually are working to extend human life and to, you know, potentially go on to immortality, whatever it is they want to do. Right. That's I, I have no problem if people want to go that route or look into that or however mm-hmm. they want to do it. Um, I'm just kind of one of those people that's like, it's fine. <laughs> <You Yeah. know? laughs> it's just part of the cycle. And I guess I'm so surrounded by it that it just doesn't freak me out. But um, you know, I, I would hope that people wouldn't be too freaked out uh, upon learning about their own demise, you know, impending or which, I mean, it, it always yeah. is. But when you hear about it, I guess, in a more immediate fashion, it can be a little bit more traumatic. Um, well, and I, I think it's an opportunity to emphasize to a child in particular how important it is to live your life live. the best way you can, because it is the one and only chance you get. That might be a life. good way to go at it, you know, like you this know? is why life is important because mm-hmm. we know that at the end of this, you know, the candle burns down and at the end of it, there's no more candle. So you have to, yeah, you have to make the most while you have the light. Yeah. I, I do have to say I like the candle burning out more than grandpa watching us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and the uh, thing is, I mean, but, you know, they always present the loved one as going to heaven, which is a happy story. But, you know, the the flip side of that is that there is this doctrine of hell, which is pretty damaging and scary to people. So, Well, and there's also I mean, some horrific things that come out of that heaven doctrine, like oh, people yeah. telling people who have lost infants, you know, like, oh, yeah. they're with God. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, oh, it was part of a plan. You'll yeah. understand. It's, it's like, whoa, that's pretty, you know, it's a pretty horrific thing to tell a person. But yeah. That's where it leads sometimes. I, I think I'm going 
fill that fill that route and, and just you know really concentrate on the life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what makes life precious: is the fact that it's not eternal. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. I know you're not all wanting right. to take up all your time with you. No, you're fine. This call, so I Thank you. It. Have a happy new year. Yeah. All right. You too. Bye bye. Um, bye. No, all right. I, you know that. I actually like calls like this because I think this is something that so many people struggle with, mm-hmm. not only just, you know, with their kids, but with themselves kind of coming to terms with the fact that life is finite, unlike what religions present. Yeah. You know, we, we don't have any evidence that there's an afterlife. And so we have to treat this one as if it's not a dress rehearsal for whatever comes <laughs> <Right>. next. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, I don't know if I just picked it up. Like, um, I know my mother had a very lax attitude about it mm-hmm. you know and even when she was dying she was just sort of like yeah what are you gonna do you don't live for her and you know i think um with her she kind of got weaker and weaker mm-hmm. uh, until her death and i kind of look at it that way that it's like i just don't have the energy i used to have I don't, and i'm almost like i wonder if it's not just sort of we wind down to sort of be more accepting at the end <laughs> like <laughs> uh, can i just take a nap and not wake up because yeah. i mean and i don't mean that to sound flip to people who may actually be dealing with like death you know what i mean i know there are yeah. people out there who are just like what the hell i was just diagnosed with cancer and you're saying this stuff and you but i'm just saying like that for me um, there is a certain there are certain parts to it where I it sounds almost flipped, but I'm not really being flipped, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with I'll I'll read something online and I'll just be like these types of horror stories, you know. After I'm dead, I won't have to see them anymore, you know. I don't yeah. have to see this stuff anymore. This is just you know things I don't ever want to see again, and I will have that opportunity. To, yeah, you know, I won't know it, but you know, hey, there it is. Um, so there's there's some things about life that I'm not gonna quote miss you know not that you missed maybe yeah. but at any rate um we do have a, a theist online so let's go ahead i guess and let's hit that one and just see all right we've got is it arojo and this is in washington state and you're on with jen and tracy and you want to know how we can explain why is this why human beings understand each other Hey, this is brojo b-r-o oh they bro-jo. put an e yeah. okay brojo okay yeah, I, I was just curious. I was listening to the last call, and it even um, intrigued me, uh, as you guys are both atheists. Um, I always wonder, uh, when people make statements like, um, for example, religion presents itself as life being eternal. Uh, I'm aware that the Bible teaches that life is finite. It says that it is appointed unto man once to die, after this the judgment. So the Bible actually, I'm not sure, presents that perspective, but I'm not sure what... If that's what you guys meant by that, um, also I, I don't think we Bible. meant anything that's in the Bible because we wouldn't be accepting of that. So, I mean, unless the Bible was simply expressing something that would be just like a basic observable fact about life and death. Well, certainly um, you would have to represent the religion accurately. I think that's that's always good. Well, but the rep- but the problem is that Christians disagree on what the religion should be represented as. So I, I can't well, represent. I can. You, you're saying represent it as you understand it. I think is what you're saying. Well, sure. I, I, I guess if okay. it, I'm not aware of any sects of Christianity that that would that it would hold that life does not come to an end. Um, but that, but, but uh, sure. I guess I. You should get out more. Many of them do, but <laughs> it's okay. 
But but I, I think it's um, interesting when atheism atheism posits uh, that life is totally irrational that there really is no purpose really meaning to atheism posits you that? probably should not go, get on a show and then say that your views need to be represented accurately when there's a lot of people on your team that represent them differently and then tell us what our beliefs are just FYI. Atheism doesn't have many different sects. Atheism says that there's an impersonal absolute by which the universe is governed. No, atheism, no, atheism, atheism doesn't say anything. Atheism just simply says they don't, they don't accept that a god exists. That's it. Well, atheism actually the the, the, the definition that that has been typically accepted has been that there that the reality the, the the nature of reality is that um, there was no god. So uh, um, nature no. reality. You're using a definition of atheism that no major atheist organization in the world uses. Well, I, I think if you look at the Stanford um, Dictionary of Philosophy, that that's how atheism is used. But but however, um, I, I just think it's interesting. Uh, even if that's not your definition of atheism, you guys are positing that the universe came into being from from nothing. Or no, I'm, I'm no, not. I'm not positing not. how the universe came into being. I, I don't do that. That's up to. That's to. There that's are there are people in science that handle that. I don't. I don't do it. I don't. I don't talk about universal origins as far as like I don't. I don't have uh, my own personal theory on that. So without a theory on that, um, mm -hmm. how could you say to someone, make the most out of life? That assumes that there's ultimate purpose. Because you have a finite life, and you either can not make the most of it or make the most of it. And I find that my life is more fulfilling when I make the most of it, and I suggest it to others, although they may have a different view of it, and they are certainly not required to follow my advice. Well, when you make the statement, my life is more fulfilling, all you're yes. simply saying is I feel more satisfied in yes. the state. You're not yes. saying anything that it's a better lifestyle. So, it, it, well, well, it is. Wait it a is minute, wait her. a minute. You're saying that it, it, I am if I'm saying that more fulfilled is better. If, if I oh, accept that know. better equals more fulfilled, then I am saying it's better. Yeah, better for you. Right, per yes. Day, but, I don't, but, but you can't say, okay, this is you can't make an objective statement. You certainly can't say this is the better lifestyle. You could just—I don't think I did. But but here's the, the funny thing about this: because you reject the Christian God and do not want to worship Him and serve Him as how you were made to do. Um, All right, we're, we're getting we're getting super close to a hangup here. Okay, you're going to have to stop interjecting that. You're going to have to stop just fiat claims that your religion is accurate and throwing out this bait. If you we, we can either have an honest discussion or you can call with an agenda and be an asshat. It's up to you. But but if you continue with this sort of chip on your shoulder, this call is not going to go anywhere. So get the chip off your shoulder and let's have an honest conversation. Well, I, well, 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 yeah, quit saying that, that uh, your religion is true when you're talking on the phone to some atheist and quit telling us what we believe. If you want to talk to us about what we believe and ask us what we believe and if you want to have an honest conversation instead of preaching and simply, you know – prescribing what you think we believe, then we can. But you're going to have to get the chip off your shoulder. Sure. Uh, uh, would you say atheism is true? I don't even know what that means. Atheism doesn't it's, make any truth claims. It's just a rejection of the claim some gods exist. Right. But certainly you believe that that proposition is true or you wouldn't hold it. It's not a proposition. It's, it's yeah. a position. Yeah. On my perspective on a claim. Right. And your perspective on the claim that God exists is that I don't buy it. 
Right. I am not right. convinced. Correct. And that's not that. That is a fact. I am not convinced that a God exists. That's not disputable. But as a theist, I believe he does exist. I get he that. Yes, we understand. But you don't get to tell us that it's true and then just keep talking like you didn't just say that. Well, no, I can justify that position. Go but for it. Atheism, yeah. Well, first off, uh, atheism is self-refuting. There's only atheism. Oh God! Quit telling us about what atheists, you know, atheism. You're not an atheist, and you're telling us about atheism. Just talk about your claims and tell us why your claims are true. It doesn't matter if atheists, what atheists believe, what do you believe, and, and demonstrate to us why that is correct. Well, I think it's a little bit more complicated than a flattened view of reality. I think evidence ultimately uh, must have a perspective that drives it to an ultimate conclusion. Uh, evidence is not... Uh, as much as people like to suggest, it, it, there are no brute facts, right? Evidence is not uh, audible and propositional in the sense that it speaks for itself, right? Uh, we are people who have to come to conclusions when we view reality. The whole of creation, right, uh, testifies that God exists 100%. God has made us in his image to know him. And You're going to have to support these claims, right? You're going to have to support it. You're just preaching at this point. Well, atheists are looking for physical, tangible evidence. If you look to the Bible, that is physical evidence for the existence of God. No, it's no, not. It is. It's a story. No, it's God's revealed word. If it's that's your that. claim, Please. I'm telling you that's what you need to support. If there's yeah, no okay. God, then it's not God's revealed word. So first we need to establish that God exists before you can start telling me what God does, right? We need to know that there is a God or God's not doing anything. So, so how do we establish that there is a God and that then we can establish what it does? Well, we just have to get into a discussion of our worldviews, but we certainly don't have enough. This has nothing to do with worldviews other than you have some claims that you're making, and we're just asking you to support them. And it doesn't have to do with whether or not you, you find atheism tenable. It's like when somebody calls the show and they want to talk about creationism, they keep talking about evolution. Evolution is wrong. Evolution is just like, so what? We're asking you what you believe as a creationist and what you, how you support that, not, not whether or not you accept evolution. That's not relevant. And this is the same type of thing. I'm not asking you to criticize atheism. I'm saying, what do you believe and can you support it? And you, you're making claims. It's like, we understand you think a God exists. We understand you think that God does stuff. I don't need a list of bullet points of what you think the God is responsible for. I need to know, is there a God? Because if there's not, then that God is not responsible for anything you believe it's responsible for. So the question now is, can we establish a God exists? Then we can start looking at what we think it's responsible for. Well, actually, the statement that we need evidence presented to us or God is not responsible for all of creation, that, that's, a, that's an irrelevant. I didn't say that. I did not say that. I said we need evidence presented to us in order for us to find your claims reasonable to believe. Because you are a naturalist, you are not going Did we say we were naturalists? What is all of reality? Is it all physical and material? No, 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 no I'm asking know. you. Did, I mean, did we say that? Cuz you just you just said well because you're naturalist and I don't think that was even part of the conversation up to now. I listened to the discussions prior, and you guys believe that there's nothing beyond the existence that we will have now. You believe that life is finite. Uh, you believe that all that exists is the physical material universe. So I'm just taking from what I've heard from previous discussions, and I'm letting you guys and explaining to you guys um, the problem with that position. I don't see a which problem. Has, which has exactly what to do with your claim that your God exists? 
uh, because it shows that there's only two options. And once we have no, 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 no. I don't care about the two options. I only care about the option you're presenting to us, which is your claim that some God exists. Well, as I said before, uh, because we're people and we tend to see things differently, uh, we're looking. Things need to be interpreted through a particular lens. No, 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 they don't. What they need to be interpreted through is that y- you made a claim, and you need to present evidence that backs that claim up, and then we can proceed from there. You don't need to critique anybody else's worldview or talk about anybody else's position or whatever you think that is. You just need to back up your claim. Can you do that? I, I think that's in, I think that's an incorrect way to view things. I, I think obviously as an atheist, if you are making claims, even if you make evolutionary claims, you can't back that up to a Christian. Without as an atheist, I don't make claims. I think that's the problem. I yeah. personally, Tracy may make claims, but as an atheist, I'm not making those claims. That's the problem. Yeah, I, I, I think the issue is that we, we we're, we're having a. So atheism is typically defined in terms of theism. Theism, in turn, is best best understood as a proposition that something is either true or false. It is the, the belief that God exists. It does not refer to the psychological state of believing. This is why it makes sense. If you think it's of, true that a God exists, then you believe the claim, which is how we... Theism is. And atheism yes, that is theism. Is but in atheism is the negation, which is God does not no, exist. No, no, that's no, no. not what it is. No, atheism is just simply says I'm not a theist. Yeah, it's atheist, meaning not theism. Right, so right. I don't believe a God exists. It doesn't mean that I believe not no God exists. Very opposite of theism. No, it's not the opposite. It's anything that isn't theism. Yeah, this is a, um, you know, I, I run a Discord server, um, on on Discord where we debate atheists and debate uh, non-Christians. Um, this is going to take a little bit longer to explain all these key concepts and terms uh, because this is this is not yeah. easy to get. Um, and I understand. All right. It's, well, then I'm actually, gonna I'm gonna have to refer you to the blog where we actually have an yeah. endless space. So you can go to the blog and you can post on this show's specific thread. Um, and I have that blog address. I think. In my notes, I already had it on my notes, um, but I think it's uh, what is it? Free thought forward slash axp. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, oh. Free thought blogs forward slash axp, and there you can go and post um, your thoughts on this because what you're basically describing is that it's going to take a very long time, and this show is only an hour and a half, and we have other callers. Um, if if uh, if it can't be done in language that is already developed and understood and in conversations that have already been had, and if, if the support for the claims is that complex, I'm amazed that anybody has come to theism if it takes this huge, complicated thing well, to right. understand a, a god. So go ahead and go to the blog and put your uh, two cents there and give give your best argument or evidence, and uh, people can see it. And then it'll, it'll also be as public as it is here. So thanks for your okay. call, Brojo. He's not very good at debating. Well, you, you get off. Op- the thing point. is, it's like, I mean, we are an hour and a half show. I mean, this is yeah. a reality. We have a finite time set, and we've got several calls waiting. And I do prefer to take a theist call, which is why I, you know, I went with Misty because she helped us with call check initially, which is kind of my trend. And then then we had this theist caller who called in later, and I wanted to, you know, put that up at first. Mm-hmm. 
And when you start to come at it with an agenda, when you start telling me what I believe, when you've got this thing to prove, when you got something to prove, not like something to like a claim that you'd like to support, but you got something you're calling to prove, right? And you're not hearing otherwise, and you can't yeah. have a conversation because you're here to preach. Um, if that's where your head is at, that's I mean, you're gonna have to to cool your jets and be able yeah. to be a human being. And have a conversation, and let's be honest, and let's walk through what you think, what you don't think. If you want to know what I think about something, you can ask me. If you say that you think I think something and I correct you, then you don't tell me that I'm wrong because Stanford says that's not what you believe. <laughs> I know what I believe more than a Stanford dictionary knows what I believe, right? I, I can tell you what I think yeah. better than they can. And I also live it. I'm part of the atheist community, um, mm -hmm. we're, and I understand how atheists use these terms. Um, and that's that's all I can say about it. If you have something that's huge and complex and it's going to take an hour to go through it, number one, like I said, I don't know how any theist came to theism if it takes this like massive understanding of highly complex stuff that takes a really long time to sort of just get the terms in order. How did anybody come to belief in God? Because yeah. that's not real obvious from a guy that just said, hey, it's manifest in the universe, right? So it's either easy and manifest right. or it's really hard and complicated. Um, it's not both. So anyway. And this dude's running a Discord server where he debates this all the time. Yeah, it, I, I can like, only imagine the pain. I, I don't know. How long he's been running yeah. the Discord server, but how long you been doing this? Well, I mean, we've had two really good ones at the blog, right? right. Um, one that took like 111, and then one that just went over 300 at a blow-up, and now this thing is probably going to be the next blow-up. Uh, I think yeah. Brojo's going to be our next break so, 100 How long have you been on the thread? show? Uh, since 2006. Okay, and I've been on since 2008, so yeah. we've been doing this a while. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, anyway, so like I say, he's welcome to the blog, if he has something complicated, he can go ahead, outline it, set it up, post it. And he, he will get feedback, I guarantee, because people are very happy to talk to theists at the blog. Yep. All righty. So, I, yeah, I'm regretting that one. So this is, um, <laughs> we're going to go to Rose in Missouri. You're on with Tracy and Jen, and it says here you want to know if atheists view religion as a cult. You've got a friend with you, Sarah, and she's a theist and was nervous to call, so you're calling on her behalf, which is nice of you to do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I don't really know anything about religion. I grew up, I didn't really go to church that often. Okay. So I'm kind of like accepting of whatever comes my way. I don't really care, I guess, but... um. I just was thinking about this with one of my other friends, and we were thinking, would you consider um, like organized religion as like a cult? I personally don't really draw any distinctions, right? Now, what there are some people that use the word, and I've I've got friends, and I can tell you what their views are. Okay, so there are definitely some atheists mm -hmm. who are just like, every religion is a cult. Yeah, but I also have friends who were raised in cults. <laughs> yeah. And they say, yeah. that's a bunch of crap. A cult is a different thing. <laughs> um, so they have their own experience of being abused in very cloistered situations where it was a yeah. tight-knit sort of weird family thing, very isolated off from society and other religious groups, and it was very, very harshly run. They have stories that are far more abusive than most of what you hear right. in mainstream religion, religion, despite the sexual abuse stories. We do get that, you know, I'm not saying that they're, that an organization that deals with this many people isn't going to be abusive any group that size can be. Um, but I will say that when you talk to somebody who grew up in a cult and you tell them all religion is a cult, they find it kind of dismissive. 
Whereas some right. people mm-hmm. tend that haven't don't have much religious experience. Usually, it's the atheists that don't have a lot of religious experience. Yeah. I'm not going to broad brush it. There's probably you know um, uh, exceptions to it. But a lot of times, the people that are like all religion is a cult are people who have very little religious experience of their own. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. please tell Sarah so, she does not have to be scared to talk to us. Like yeah. I told the other caller, I was kind of mean on that last call, and it's because that person wasn't being honest. If a person calls up and they yeah. just want to talk, even if they're confused or they don't know how to answer, that is perfectly okay. We are not, you know, we're not big meanies. Yeah, well, she left, but I think <laughs> I would <think> be okay <laughs> to talk next time. Um, but, yeah, so cause I was just wondering that because... I don't really have any religious background. I mean, like, I went to church a couple of times when I was younger, but we stopped going. I don't know. I don't really know why, but we just didn't. We're not a very religious family. Sure. And so so I was just kind of, I guess, confused on it. Like, because when you look at, like, cults and stuff or, like, even, like, stories and, like, fictional cults, they kind of, like, seem relatively similar to what you do at like church and at services and stuff. Yeah. It depends. I, mean, I just think they're more isolated from Yeah, the and I, I, I think that's one of the defining characteristics of a cult is that they tend to isolate their members either from other mm-hmm. family members or from like um, other populations. So um, there's certain I guess uh, religious communities that will only homeschool their children. And while I mm-hmm. think homeschooling is, you know, a viable option for a lot of people, when you do it with the intention of isolating your children from having um, interactions with other people whose beliefs may be different, then I think you're flirting with the definition of a cult. Um, mm. And then there's there's some, you know, religions that try to control not only who you associate with, but um, like what kind of foods you eat. Yeah. Um, well, and like, and, for example, here's a good example. Like uh, a woman that I know, her grandmother um, founded a cult. Like she was mm-hmm. the cult leader. And mm-hmm. she was, you know, she spoke for God, right? So you had this person at the head of the cult that told everyone, basically laid down the law and said, this is what God told me. And that's, even though you get preachers who are like, and God told me this and that, um, you can see those preachers kind of fall. You know, they'll make a mistake, they'll fall, they'll come back contrite because they did, you know, got caught in some quote sin. Um, or there's also a Bible that supplements what they believe and, uh, and people kind of take what the preacher is saying God told him. And, and we all kind of know that those preachers, like God told me to run for president. And it's like, how many candidates said that? But Hey, I don't, God told you it could be so that you could lose. Yeah. Or, you know, God told me there's <laughs> yeah. going to be this end of the world and then the date comes and goes and the oh, end yeah. of the world doesn't happen, right? But, um, but those are, those preachers kind of like their, their congregations aren't really living and dying for that one person as a prophet, right? Like as, as the ultimate authority. They have other authorities. A lot of times they think God speaks to them too. Sometimes they think, like they say, the Bible speaks to them or that, you know, they're getting little signs and things from God in their life. But in these cults, there's just a lot, it's a lot more authoritative, a lot more centralized power. Um, you know, even in the Catholic Church, you can, people criticize it. There are Catholic members who criticize and want to have change within the mm-hmm. church, you know, and they push for, for flexibility within the church and changes for rules and they'll argue with church positions. And in a cult, you just don't do that. Right. Um, so it's a little different. From what I understand, I mean, they, they just sound like people that were in far more abusive situations when I, when I interact and talk to them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I guess that was basically it. Okay. All right. Well, thanks. Thank you, Rose. 
Yeah. Appreciate your call. And please <laughs> tell you. Sarah hello. Yeah. I will. All right. Bye. So you mentioned the, the end of the world predictions. Yeah. So the, I think um, maybe not the last one, but for at least two of the end of the world predictions, I was actually at atheist events for that. So we were sitting here thinking, okay, the world's going to end at, you know, 6 p.m. on this date. But is it 6 p.m. Eastern time or Pacific time? That's is a good gr- question. Greenwich Mean Time. What, what does this mean? You know, do we have to wait until, hey. you know, we, you know, it's 6 p.m., you know, in all the time zones? We've or do we just that assume just, that the person who was told 6 p.m., it's their time zone? Yeah, maybe like, it, maybe that Like God be, knows yeah. who's speaking to them. But, yeah, you would think that a God wouldn't be, like— wouldn't have this time zone limitation and would understand the confusion that it could cause among beings that do. Right. And that instead of giving a time, it would just be something more aligned with something we could observe as an instance. Yeah. Uh, like when the sun is directly over, <laughs> you know, then that's when it's going to, when shit's going to rain down on humanity. Yeah. So anyway, we, we decided we have to stay here and drink until, you know, it's after 6 p.m. on the West Coast because otherwise, you know, what yeah, else can we I don't, do? I don't know. So anyway, and then um, I guess the last one was uh, it was a, like a December thing, like the winter solstice in December a few years ago, whatever. Yeah. So I wasn't anywhere, but my wife ran in like this end of the world like 5k race and it was a zombie race down in san antonio okay and so she said that it was really funny because they had like the zombies that would jump out of the bushes along wow that's (laughs) was was that like a halloween thing or um this was um i want to say it was in december but uh, i don't remember because it was part of this mayan calendar holiday zombies but yeah, it was, it was fun. She said it was hilarious because you could tell where the zombies were because people, you'd hear the screams and then people oh, laughing. People screaming. As, they, as they ran away. That is funny. One of so, my neighbors did a zombie holiday display in their front yard. Yeah. That was interesting. Zombie Santa and elves. Oh, yeah. Cool. It was kind of fun. We had some weird things. There was an article about some dragons, like somebody put up dragons in their neighbor. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Their neighbor was, I guess, mad about the dragons because it wasn't. What Not they wanted, Christ-like, and so they put up more dragons. Yeah, <laughs> and they did like a whole yard full of dragons. That should That's be awesome. Googleable. I don't have the link or anything. I just remember seeing it. Um, but in it, you know, in that vein, one of my neighbors put up a dragon skeleton with a Santa hat on it, and I think he had jingle bells. I don't remember. But then also somebody did a T Rex on one of their light poles, like leaning on the T Rex skeleton. Yeah, on a light pole. So I don't, I don't know what the dinosaur dragon skeleton thing was this year in my neighborhood. But there you go. There was a. Dragons were big and unicorns. Oh, I, it was the first year I saw tons of unicorns. One person had a very staggering, gorgeous, <laughs> rearing unicorn oh, wow. with wings. Oh, I was like, okay, a Pegasus I mean, unicorn. I've, yeah, I, I don't know what this is or how it relates to the holiday, but it, it does look festive. I admit, you know, well, someone in my neighborhood had an actual horse running around, and we didn't actually see the horse, but we saw the evidence in the road. So. <laughs> evidence of horse, yes. See, you can have evidence so, of something, yes. and you don't have to see the horse. So that you're looking at a pile accept, of horse shit. I accept that there was a horse in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Other things can produce a giant pile of horse yes. shit as well, <laughs> than not just horses. All right, so we have a couple of people that have been waiting since the beginning of the show, so we'll go ahead and hit like a few more of those calls. But let's, right. uh, 
Let's go ahead and, and take a call from Craig in Alabama. You're on with Jen and Tracy. It says that you are a recent atheist and you have lots of religious friends and you would like to do atheism without being an ass, which is a— Oh, yes, ma'am. Some people might not like that goal, but I'm going to say let's call it meritorious and go with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, look, first of all, let me say something. I want, I, I really appreciate what you're doing. Uh, the ACA, everything. That's why I donate. Um, well, thank you. Well, thank you. I, when I say I'm a, when I say I'm a Reese, oh, by the way, I got to say this first, Tracy, before I forget, you remind me of a Sunday school teacher I had that I was just head over heels with, you know, <laughs> I loved her to death. I was a little bull. I wish she would like, spank you know, me okay. again. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm in there and I'm like, oh, she's telling me everything, yeah. but I wasn't thinking about God, man. I was thinking about her. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, anyway, here's the deal. Um, you know, I was, uh, I'm from the South. I'm in Alabama. I'm in, actually, I'm in Northwest Alabama, but I grew up in Birmingham. Hey, me okay. too. So, which is very, yeah, okay, cool. Really? Okay, cool. Very diverse. But mm-hmm. see, I was, I grew up very poor and my mom was a drug addict whore. And, oh, well, uh, so I, ouch. I saw a lot of weird shit. Well, okay. I mean, I'm just telling the truth. No yeah, I know. I mean, I, ouch for right. you, ouch for her. I mean, that's a that's a tough, oh, yeah. tough thing. Yes, an ouch yeah. pain in the ass. Yeah, but listen, see, my mom was really into the witchcraft side of life. Okay, I mean, she Wiccan. really believed in that stuff, and yeah, Wiccan, right? And mm-hmm. she would have, um, oh yeah, I'm, okay, I got you, baby. I see a uh, Peter Fort, Peter Tort, easy, Craig. All right, I'll slow down. I'm sorry. Um, here's what? the deal: she would bring these people into my to our little house. And our little trailer, should I say? And they would have these. They would be. I mean, seriously, wearing robes and stuff. And they'd give me a candle. And so I was growing up around that, and also religion from my grandma and grandpa. So I had to go to church a lot too. But my mother was one of these kind of people that was sort of like um, voodoo. She believed in the Wiccan stuff, but she also believed in Jesus. You know, it, it was just yeah. a weird, weird lifestyle. Okay, so it was me and my brother. So as I grew up, I just really was a. I was the biggest pain in the ass in church because I asked questions all the time. And I was always stopped by, hey, you just got to trust God. You got to trust your parents, and which I had, didn't have. I had one parent. And so, you know, I just didn't really believe anything, honestly. But these were, were people I loved and cared about, my friends that I played with, you know. Right. And uh, so as I got older and um, I went into the service and served my country, whatever, you know, I understood people differently than most people. Even though I was in church all the time, I understood people differently, and I and I cared about them. And I still, as now, I know I'm an atheist. I dig it. I get it now. Just a few days ago, my son said to me, I was talking to him. He's a scientist. I said, son, this is how I feel. And he goes, Dad, I've been waiting on you just to tell you this. You're an atheist, <laughs> okay? Because yeah. all I've been doing since I was in the church has been trying to convince people that you don't have to live under uh, this ridiculous persecution from doing certain things. Like, you know, people talk about being free in Christ. They're not free at all. They're constantly worried about being sent to hell and whatever they do is judged by other people. And I was that way too. When my wife died, and I'm sorry if I'm all over the place. When my wife died in 2001, who was a really good, what I would call a good Christian, which is weird to say that. But in other words, she grew up in a home like that. And it was like, well, the girl was, you know, the servant of the, you dig it. You know what I'm saying? Y'all have all heard that. I know Tracy for sure. Jen, I haven't read your story, but God bless both of you, right? (laughs) Yeah, I'm just playing. But anyway, so my wife and I, all this stuff made me understand there was nothing real about any of this. The storybooks 
uh, of the Bible and, and the people in general were trying to do what they think they thought was right, okay? I think they really wanted to do good things and help people. But once again, it all fell short when it came down to if you didn't believe this or you didn't believe that, then you were going to hell. I can't imagine any God that was all magnificent that created the perfect world sending his creations to a burning hell forever. I'm going to have to let me let me interrupt you here for a minute, Craig. So ultimately, ultimately, you grow up and then you've got these friends and you would like to. Is it that you want to engage with them or what is it that uh... I do? I want to I want to let them know exactly how I feel, because I've never said what I'm talking to you about tonight as far as saying, okay, they all knew I lost my shit when my wife died. And I said, there is no God. There is no Jesus. Blah, blah, blah. I'm done. And I started living my life differently. But they all were praying for you. But I want to talk to them in a real sense. Because right now, they probably still, a lot of them think I'm a Christian, but I'm not. Because I post things, and this is where I'm at. This is a lot of stuff. I'm sorry, doll. I'm sorry. This is a lot of stuff. But I'm in transition. I still believe something connects to all of us. And maybe it's just our DNA. Maybe it's our heritage. Maybe it's our brainwaves. But, you know, I just, I, I went from, I went from believing in God. I went from believing that he could actually do shit. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. Do stuff. Maybe I can cuss. I don't know. Yeah, cussing uh, yeah, is allowed. Do stuff. but And then realizing when my wife died of cancer at 37 years old, that it's bullshit. Even though I didn't really believe any of the Bible stories up until that point in my life, I really thought God was real. I thought there is something. These people, the Christians, the Muslims, everybody's full of shit. But I believe there's something universal. I believe it's real. You know, and I did up until that point. And then I changed my entire life and the way I uh, started living my life. and. You know, I just, but now, I, but I have all these wonderful people that I truly love. I truly love. So, but I so, don't know how to tell them. Okay, so here's an idea, Craig. Um, point them to this show where you just explained all this and then use that as a, a vehicle for having a conversation with them about this. Uh, all right, I understand. It. And let me say this right up front, uh, Joanna Banana. I didn't mean that. I'm from the South, and I, I'm not meaning baby doll wrong. And I, I don't diminish people's stance in life. I think women are the most wonderful thing in the world. I just saw that. I'm not sure where that came from, but okay. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, you know, I was yeah. reading it in the chat. Okay. I call everybody darling and oh, brother. people are giving a hard time. Oh, about okay. Sorry, language. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm I mean, I don't, I don't, I tend to not to try not to get too sidetracked by things like that. Um, and like I said, you know, okay, yeah, we have people like the chat and on the blog and stuff like that who will who will jump definitely jump in and uh, correct for it. Yes, um, yes, ma'am. And see, there's there's people <laughs> that I understand are never. Well, I guess my main thing is that I want to be a decent person about telling them that the, I don't want them to think I'm telling them they're stupid. Stupid, although I believe they are, because I was talking to a grown adult the other day, and they started talking about Noah's Ark. I'm like, you really believe that? Are you kidding me? So I'm thinking these people think I believe that. I don't want to be grouped up with that. Well, but the thing is, if, I, I if, someone, if someone has that conversation with you where they start talking about Noah's Ark, um, well, then they're, they're actually making claims, basically, or repeating claims that are in the Bible, and you can actually have a conversation with them about, hey— how do you evaluate evidence for things like this? Yeah, I mean, if you wanted to address it in a straightforward, hey, we're having beers and you just brought up, you know, a, an ark with every animal on it. 
Uh, I think it's fair to say, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, like, the religious stuff I was raised in, and that's one of those stories I'm just not sure that that's actually true, right? Like, that, there's some things that bother me about yes, that ma'am. story. And I think, like what Jenna's saying, you can have a conversation. I think if you if you turn to your, your Alabama buddy drinking beers and say, well, you know, evidence is blah, blah, <laughs> it's probably not going to f- – they're probably just going to look at you weird and then have another beer. But I'm thinking that Probably. if you if you just kind of say like, "Hey, I've thought about this," and some of those stories I think maybe aren't meant to be taken like literal, right? Like literal. some of these stories I think are are maybe just stories to sort of tell a lesson or to or to make an explanation for something that people didn't understand, you know? And uh, right. and these are like some Hebrew old Hebrew stories, and some of it, you know, might be oh. true, like. Uh, People should love each other, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I agree. That's with- all good stuff. That's what I tried to tell people. I mean, the Bible has some decent stuff in it, but there's a lot of <laughs> yeah. terrible hate stuff in it, too. Well, sure. That's like know? that guy that, that called before when he said something about the two options in the Bible or whatever and said, I don't know if this is one of the ones you're talking about. And I was like, well, if the Bible makes some kind of mundane observation about the nature of life and death, then it it may be what we're talking about, but we certainly wouldn't be talking about it because it's something mentioned in the Bible, right. you know. But but yeah, the Bible does mention some mundane stuff that it's like, okay, yeah, that's that's a fact, you know, or that's a good idea. Um, and then there's other stuff that's just wacky. And I think it's fair to tell somebody. I think some of these stories may have other purposes than to be literal truths about the nature of reality. Yes, yes, ma'am, and that, and that's why I try to, to ra- how I tried to raise my son properly that way. I never told him the fairy tales. I said okay. because he actually, and that's you know, I just so actually I was going to tell you this real quick while I'm thinking okay. about it. I came out to my son, and that sounds so weird to say it like that, but I came out to my son. <laughs> it does sound a little strange. I said, Josh, I said, look, buddy, here's the deal, and I started explaining myself, and he said, Dad. You've been an atheist for a long time. You just don't realize it. He's a scientist. He's a he has a PhD in physics. So wow, you know, the guy's he's, he's an intelligent <laughs> man. But see, I never taught him. You know, here's the here's the and I told him this yesterday, just yesterday. I said, son, if I ever steered you wrong about anything in life, I'm sorry. I said because sure. I only knew his mama died in 2001, and it was just me and him. So I was trying to. Oh, do the best I could do, you know, just trying to do the best I could do. And, you know, I still prayed with him at night at that point. Sure. But at that point, I really didn't believe in God at all. After Sharon died, and even up till she died, um, I, you know, I had all these people coming from the church going, oh, she's going to be healed and all this bullshit, you know. Right. And and I knew it wasn't true. I, I never believed any of that. But I had to start facing people that were like our parents. We were just really sure. deep in the church. And you got to understand it's tearing them apart. It's I, I, get, apart. I hear you. Hey, I have a question for you. Do you participate yes, in any atheist blogs or with any atheist groups in your area or anything like that? No, ma'am. This is, I just recently found you people. Okay. I've been watching your stuff nonstop for it, the last two weeks. If I were you, I would do some internet searches on things like Alabama humanists, Alabama free yes, thought, ma'am. Alabama atheists, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, even, um, and Alabama skeptics, like do some Google searches and see if there might be a group oh, in your area. Well, I did. I did find some about 60 miles from me. In my little area in Florence, Alabama, which mm-hmm. is Florence Muscle Shoals area, well, all the, I don't know, you can Google Muscle Shoals. Sure, There's sure. a lot of music, yeah. a lot of cool people. Right, but the deal is, um, it's steeped in religion. And yeah, I, you know, I, I have Googled it. There's some over at Huntsville I'm going to try to check out. I think you should. And, uh, yeah. you know. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I oh, think well, honestly, I didn't mean to dominate. No, no, no. I think it sounds to me a lot like maybe you were able to have these conversations with your wife. And then I think Just when she was you. taken from you, you kind of lost the one person that you had to actually engage with about who you are and what you believe and what you think about things. And that, that really isolates a person. So for you, I think a really good um, exercise would be to find some group in your area. And then it's good to have them in your area because that way it's people that you relate to. Like you said, if there's particular language that maybe when you put it out to a broader group, you're going to get slapped for it, you know, wrist slapped. Oh, yeah. Um, and in, in your it. own you group of, of people in, in your area, um, certain things are probably understood as well. You know, that's kind of the language and stuff, you know. And I'm not saying that I advocate for, I mean, I would ultimately like to see the language scrubbed of sexism. But yeah. at the same time, um, when somebody needs some help and support, I'm more about that than whether or not they're using the right words at the moment. So yes, I'm, I may be messing up, and I'll, <laughs> you know, again, I apologize. I'm not. No, I get it. No, I you're not trying to be offensive. Be you just this is how you talk, no, 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 and you know no, you're open no, to learning, and yeah, it's cool. Here's the deal. I came to a place where I thought I could talk without judgment, and I believe I am. And I realize people are talking shit about me in a chat. I see it. I'm not an idiot. And by the way, I'm not uneducated. Uh, and so I have a bachelor's degree. I'm a double E, which is an electrical right. engineer. I flew right. in the Navy, by the way. Um, this g- this actually gives me a good opportunity to note that I actually did know someone that was highly educated from Georgia that I met here in Austin who worked at IBM. And he made the comment that because of his accent, people made all kinds of assumptions right. about his education and his level of yeah, capacity. Yeah, kind of idiot. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it's no, it's there is colloquial language and there is uh, accent and it does get judged. And I I'm probably guilty of doing it sometimes myself. I'm not going to lie. But uh, just to let people know that. A person can have the accent and the colloquial language usage that Craig is is got, and um, and still actually have an education and be able to talk to you and have an honest right. conversation. Just FYI. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you I do doing too. that for me because I just I'm not I mean, my whole thing is my whole life I've wanted to just to know truth and do good things for other people because when you grow up very very poor, I mean it's like. You know, you, you when you see good things, it's great, and you want to help other people. I don't know. I think growing up poor really made me understand that, you know, there's there's no God. we got each other, and that's yeah. who takes care of each other. Yeah, yep. and know? I'm not telling people not to call out sexist language. I think that's fine. I'm just saying, look at oh, who, yeah. look at who you're talking to. Is the person being an asshole, or is the person open to learning? And if they're, like, open to learning, maybe soften that blow a little. You know, yeah. that's all I'm saying. Yes, um, yeah. And so that's really cool. It, all right. Well, thank right. you, Craig. Well, right. Thanks well, this, for calling. Let me say this real quick, and I'm gonna hang, I'll be done. I'll, I'm sorry. I want that's to say okay. this real quick. But my, my last, I don't, see, this is the thing I would never do before. My last name is Oglesby. And I'm not afraid anymore to, to okay. say that I don't believe in God, okay? All right. Okay. And see, you got to understand, to a lot of people out there, they don't understand. Maybe there's people that's never believed in God. But for those of us that did and now we've done gone the other way. It's, a, it's like a spiritual cleansing, even though we don't have a spirit. You dig what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. Yeah. What I mean. it's, it's such a relief. It's a weight off my shoulders. I get it. To say it out loud. Because you're allowed right, to be yourself. Thank you so much, ladies. All right, All right thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Bye. All righty. Right. Yeah, Craig is quite the character in a, in, a, in a happy way. And so let's go ahead and do we have segue or do we want to get um, another call? 
Looks like we've got about we're at about a half hour left, so we could we can go ahead and take this caller. Yeah, let's take one more call and then then okay. I'll do my uh, email segue. Uh, we're gonna hit Isaac in Florida. You're on with Tracy and Jen, and this is about the existence of God as a sound claim for the foundation of life, and you feel you don't know is not valid. Yes. Um, thank you for having me on the show. Okay. Okay. So, pretty much. You guys are atheists. I, I assume you guys a huge um, basis for your understanding derives from science, right? So you guys probably agree with the Big Bang Theory. I don't have an opinion well, I, on it. Yeah, it's... Per, I personally don't. I can't speak for and, Jen. It, well, and not only that, but it, it's irrelevant to atheism. So you guys haven't actually asked any metaph- metaphysical questions about how the existence of, of life had came? Is that, is that what you're saying? I don't know what you, you mean about a metaphysical question. question. Yeah. Well, the metaphysical question is basically something that try to understand our life that goes beyond what we can see. Yeah, I don't for know what example, that means. The, yeah. So, for example, the creation of the universe, we can't see that. Well, that's not about the creation of life. That's about how the universe came into existence. So if there's right. a drip in my attic, is that metaphysical if I'm, like, in the living room? No, you can you can study that. You can you can recreate that. I'm well, saying. they can study the origins of the universe, can't they? Okay. Okay. So okay. then it's not metaphysical. So this is where I'm trying to get. Well, yeah, but I'm trying to figure out. There was a you said you made a comment about metaphysical. I didn't mm-hmm. care about metaphysical claims yeah, about the beginning of life, and I don't know what that means. For, okay, I'll try to explain myself better. So, the the current theory, I'm sure you may be aware, is that there was, you know, a speck in in and a void. And it had all the energy and all the laws of sin spec, and then it exploded, and, it, and the universe is expanding. That doesn't that's sound. The current, that is the current. <laughs> that's the current model of the Big Bang theory. No, that doesn't that's sound theory. anything like the Big Bang theory. I, I don't. That, that we didn't come. That they didn't come from an, an expansion of, of highly dense particles. We've seen a dot. An expansion, uh-huh. yes, that, but it wasn't yeah, a speck, the, and it didn't explode. You know, it, uh, I had currently looked this up. It's they said it. They originally said it was about a mile. Then they, they shortened it. Now they said it's, it's about the <laughs> diameter of of a dime. Regardless of the okay. size, okay. <laughs> regardless of the size, it was that there was a, a abundance of energy in a condensed space, and then it it collapsed on itself and it expanded. And is that metaphysical? So no, that is a theory. Is it? Is okay. our theories metaphysical? I mean, I'm trying to no, figure no, no. out what you mean by... Uh, I, I, when I say metaphysical, I'm saying the metaphysical question would be where did, this, where did that condensed energy came from? That's the metaphysical question. Why is that, that metaphysical? Like, what do you mean by metaphysical? What makes it a metaphysical that question? Well, metaphysical can be something as, as morals as metaphysical, something that is not subjugated to just being within a laboratory. So you can, but we you do study science. morality in laboratories, right? We have studies yeah. on whether or not other species, for example, have moral tendencies. So I'm having trouble understanding what you mean by I, I, metaphysical. I, I you, we can't recreate the Big Bang. We, we can only theorize and use science to back up the claim. Well, I can't so recreate a, a, a really you specific can't. car crash that may occur on on a highway randomly. I mean, I can tr- I can do other crashes that are similar, but I can't recreate that crash. Okay, uh, Is okay, that uh, metaphysical? I, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna erase the metaphysical. I, I'm just gonna I'm, I'll just re- rephrase my question because okay, I, that's cool. Not like that work. I don't know so what it I, means. It's not. That yeah. I don't like it. I don't know I don't, what it means. I don't want to stay on it if it's gonna. I don't want to. Okay, to then go ahead and refra- restate. That's fine. So, I'm saying that in, in the, the Bible gives you answers on morals and creation and all that stuff. So I want to target first. I have a lot of points. So I'll target first the creation. So. The question would, again would be: Where did the energy that originally was in the in the in the universe? Where did that come from? It had to have came from where? Something outside of the natural laws. Why do you Something think why? Natu- because before there was anything natural, it had to have pain for something that was supernatural. Had to have what or something? If you you you're, 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 you you guys are saying that that there was a, this ball of energy just. I'm not saying it. Care? I'm not saying it. I'm. I'm. So you're, you're saying that this is what physics says, and I'm like, okay. But um, what I guess what I'm asking is, all the, the the little bit that I have read, and I am not expert on what this idea is, and it's not my idea. I didn't come up with this theory, and I'm not the one promoting it. I'm not the one defending yeah, it. That, uh, but interesting fact. But one of the things that has been said is that we cannot say anything about the nature of things prior to this universe. And I have heard some people in physics saying that there are some theories about how to extrapolate that at this point. I don't know enough about it. But let me just go with what I heard Hawking say in one of his beginning of time lecture, which was that we really can't um, tell much about what what the rules were prior to this incarnation of the universe. And so my thing is, when you say it wasn't natural, I don't know that. We don't know that that's so, fact. Okay. That is, that, that's a fine belief. There's, there's, there's no contradiction in that. But what I'm saying okay. is you cannot then for rule out that that there was it had came from a supernatural force. There's no logical reason. I don't know what supernatural is. Yeah. A god. No, what is it? But that, I don't know what a god is either. So you're saying, I mean, a god is a living, a living spirit. The eternal. I don't know what yeah. a spirit <laughs> is. <laughs> I mean, we're getting well, weirder it, and weirder it, here. I can say the same. I can say the same thing about consciousness. It's a very confusing topic with or where consciousness originates from. Science is baffled by this. This goes beyond the physical realm. How do we know consciousness? Because we can be aware of it. Yes, we're yes. aware of it, and we can test yeah, for you it. Can't under, you can't. You can't. We don't understand it. We don't know how to recreate it. Just because we don't understand where it's origin. There, there are. Well, I don't know because that. It's, it's, I don't even know what that means. It's like I know that if I, you know, drive a spike through your head in a particular way, your consciousness ends or definitely appears to end. Um, yes, it it appears that's, 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 consciousness is connected closely with your brain because if your brain gets affected and you lose consciousness, the rest of your body can go on in certain circumstances. So we know that consciousness seems to be it's isolated. It's not limited to the brain. It's not limited to the brain. I don't know. Each individual cell, each individual cell actually has consciousness. Is actually uh, yeah, um, now you're, yeah, now you've no, left the building. Bullshit. Now we're into Deepak Chopra land. No, this, this, no this, yeah, this, yeah. This, no, no, you're you're not correct on this. No. Okay, you're going to no, need to go to the blog, and you're going to have to post the, the, the reputable scientific okay, journal paper okay, that but, says that each cell has its okay, own consciousness. Fine, fine. I can't. I can't. I can't do that. No, not that that is aware of its surrounding, that it, it reacts, you know, when it... Things when reacting is not a, evidence of consciousness. Yeah. Chemicals react, and well, I don't I mean, see any reason to think that they're conscious. Yeah. Plants react well, to light, each, but they're not cell, conscious. Each cell di- each digests, it reacts, it, it, pop, it reproduces. Reactions it, 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 are not evidence not of light. consciousness. 
No, no, it has the cells are living. They're living cells. They're not. They're not. They have life in the cells. It's right. Not dead. They're right. Not just, Things can yeah, react so, and not so, be considered to be alive. Although that gets into right, this but, weird thing about what is life. But, but I mean, right. but this this is. Well, well I, I noticed since we've been having this conversation. Whenever they, they goes into some type of gray area, you just you 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 shut yourself off. And say, no, I ask. No. I'm not shutting myself off. No, I'm no, asking no, no, for no, help I'm to saying, hear I'm understand saying, what you're saying. I'm, saying. I'm no, no, no. I I, I know what I'm saying, but I'm saying when I, when I bring up the topics right away, you you'll say with the, with the, with, the, with the creation of the universe. Well, I don't know. We don't know. And then you say, oh, where's the creation? Where's the creation of life? Well, I don't know. We don't know. I don't. And I'm saying that's that. I'm saying that is not scientific. I'm not, say, I'm not saying. I'm not saying that it is. Wait. I'm saying that I don't know something. I'm not saying that that I'm being scientific. I'm saying I don't know a thing. No, but every, but everything that that comes out of 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 that is associated with God. You you then associate I don't know the because answer. people not plug believing. God into all the things we don't yeah. know. It's called God of the gaps, right? So people go around and they say, let's take the things that we don't understand and plug in God. That's why the God gets smaller and smaller all the time, right? What God is responsible for gets littler and littler as we start to explain more and more yeah, it's, how it's, things are it's done. Um, there are brilliant scientists who were who were religious. In fact, the Big Bang Theory was created by a priest. So you you having a deep which is irrelevant does not which is no I'm saying you believe you believing in and and God does not eliminate science. Some of the I didn't say it. No one said it did. Yes, but I'm saying there's questions that science cannot answer. Science is not the no no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait wait a minute. You just you just made a claim that is not supportable. You said there are things that science cannot. Explain. You did yeah. not say there are things that science is yeah. still working on, you know, understanding. You said they can't understand this, right? They can't explain it. And that you don't know. Okay, but I can I can then say the same sentence with, with with God. Oh, you cannot you cannot rule out God because you don't understand God. I'm not I ruling it out. I'm saying that I see no well, evidence you know, for it. More of because I see no evidence. No, Wait, 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 wait. We haven't even defined God. You said God was a living spirit, right? You're, I don't even know living how to eternal spirit. Right. What is a spirit? Spirit is pretty much consciousness, life. Well, and if you think about it, okay. So then, the, so then, I'm God. You have a consciousness, and you're alive. Yeah. How? how no. How can you say you're God? Because you just said God is consciousness and life, and I have both those yeah, attributes. I think the eternal, the eternal living consciousness. Do you think that that I can be destroyed in a way that makes me like gone forever? That consciousness can be destroyed? No, I don't believe consciousness can okay, be Okay, so then I'm eternal. So then I am eternal. Yes, I'm, I'm eternal, yes, I'm alive, yes, I'm a spirit, soul, and I'm your God. Soul, the, soul, yes, the soul inside you is eternal. Okay, I'm but God. You have to be, you, you have to, <laughs> I yeah, mean, you, you just to. said that God is an eternal living spirit, and you just said that spirit is a life and consciousness. I have life, I have consciousness, no, we, and you just said I'm right, eternal. Right. I, I'm God. Yeah, you know, no, but you 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 are a soul. There's a difference between a soul and a spirit. No, because a soul apparently is living and conscious and eternal, and your God is living and conscious and eternal. What the hell is the difference? Those two things are exactly the same. Because one one is one is infinite. You you are not infinite. You are finite. You are what finite. is infinite? Oh, infinite is something that goes on, continues forever. There's no there's no pure de- definition for infinite. You are wait finite. a minute, but you just defined eternal again. Yeah. You said I go on forever. 
No, but your your consciousness is not infinite. Your your consciousness is limited to, to what you understand, what you can perceive. How do you I'm know God, God? How do you know your God doesn't have a consciousness? That how does God even have a consciousness? Does God have a brain? No, God is pure. God is pure consciousness. So then, where? He, wait a minute. Wait a minute. But but God. the consciousness that I'm aware of is tied to a brain, right? That's the consciousness I understand. So you're saying that he has a consciousness that is yeah. different. You have it. You have as many neurons and you have a, a millions of neurons in your stomach. There, there's all types of in my stomach. Types. Look, I can guarantee you that you could remove my stomach and I would stay. I could be conscious. I, I could. No, yeah, granted. Okay, so my stomach is not my I'm consciousness. The body. I'm saying though that if you took my brain no. out and let it die, the consciousness would go away. So we know that consciousness no, no, but, is but the brain, yes. <laughs> there's the no disputing it. There's no disputing no, this. You're, you're, Name you're, any other part of my body, you can take it away, and my consciousness can remain intact. If you remove my brain and you take that part out and let it die, that brain, I'm gone. My consciousness is gone. So there is no consciousness. Like if I, you can cut off my hand, and I'm still, I still have consciousness, right? You can take my no, hair I, away. I, I still. I, have, I, I, you can, no, you can no, even no, give me a heart course, transplant or put me on a machine. Of course, the brain is, is a central point of consciousness. Okay, just making so then God should have a brain. Body. So God has a brain. Well, not a phys- it's, not a, it's not a physical brain. Actually, everything around you see is not actually physical. Can you, explain then, can you explain then, do we agree that, that your consciousness is tied to your brain? No, of course. I'm not saying... I'm so then God has a brain. I wouldn't phrase it as a brain because the brain is something that we have, you associate a physical... Which um, is also associated with consciousness. You're saying that there's a consciousness yeah. without a brain, and I'm saying, where have you ever, like, like give me an example of that. No, that's, that's why I was trying to say it. There's, there's neurons throughout your body that, that sends messages from your brain to other parts. So I'm saying the consciousness is actually just spreading. No, it's no, not. I'm not conscious of, like, the nerves that go between me and my finger when it gets hit with a hammer. I feel the pain, and I'm aware of it because of my brain, right? And, the, and yes, there are nerves that make it travel back and forth, and that is a mechanism that is non-conscious that then makes me consciously aware of the pain. The, the neurons themselves, the nerves themselves, if they have a consciousness, I'm completely unaware of it. So it's not really a no, consciousness we can the, discuss. The, 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 the the neurons is what is what is where the consciousness. Yeah, I, you're making this way it. more difficult than it is. Your brain, no, not, take your take your brain out and kill it, and you have yeah, no consciousness. Right. That is, that is sense, take your nerves away and destroy them, and you can still be conscious. Take your stomach out, you can still right. be conscious. No, take I'm your not, lungs I'm not, away. I'm not disputing. I'm not. I'm not disputing okay. that the brain. Is we are unaware of any way that consciousness exists without a brain. We have not demonstrated consciousness without a brain. And you're basically saying that God is consciousness without a brain, which, as far as we're aware, it isn't isn't even been demonstrated to be possible. Well, a, a jellyfish doesn't have a brain. Is it aware? Does it have consciousness? It reacts to the environment. So do chemicals. They what? react to the environment. No, they don't. No, life and, and, and life and consciousness is simultaneous. No, it's not. No, they're not. No, it's not. You can't tell me that my house plant is is got consciousness. Yes. Do plants have? Of course, it has. No, it does. No, it does not. Are you? <laughs> How can you say that a plant doesn't have consciousness? Is it aware of it? Because it does not. It's not aware of it. There is no evidence that the plant is aware of anything about what it does. 
Um, yeah, it interacts with the ecosystem. Okay, look at this. Let me put it this way. You could damage my brain without destroying it entirely, and I could be completely unaware of anything. I could lose my consciousness, right? right? Yeah. And my body could still react to crap. Yes. Yes. So reacting what is, what to is, crap is not evidence of consciousness. There is no evidence no, right now that plants are conscious and in, in that they're like consciously self-aware. No, I, 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 re I highly recommend you, 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 you do a Google search on the consciousness of plants. This is a well-known fact in, in the science community. I'm going to I'm gonna direct this you know to the blog. Wait, I've got to direct this to the blog. Um, we've got 10 no, minutes left. No, no, I'm, I'm directing you to the blog because we have unlimited space there. Okay. You can post your links, your evidence, your claims, and people can react to that. They can, you know, vet it. I, I go and visit the blog for, like, at least the first few days after the show to make sure. I want to warn people I haven't issued this warning before. For, and I'm going to do it now. When you go to the blog and you post at the blog, the very first post, if you've never posted at the blog, requires moderation, which is why I go and check the first few days after the show because I want to make sure nobody has to wait too long for moderation. So if you go to the blog and you post, you're not going to see your posts show up like right away because I have to go or somebody else will have to go and moderate it. Once we moderate your post, then every post you make after that will just should just show up immediately. So you may get you may have a little delay with that first post. Don't feel like you have to try again and again and again because then you'll just end up with eight of the same things or you'll think you lost it and you didn't. So just kind of get your stuff together. Make your outline of your arguments and your evidence and links and post it to the blog and let's see what people have to say. Is that fair enough? Can I make a closing? Can sure. I, can I make a closing statement? Yeah, sure. I would like I would like to say that uh, I'm a big fan of science. I, I love all fields, but that science is not is not the only field. You have such as morals and ethics and history. These are go, go beyond science, and which are studied the using the methods of science. Yes. Yeah, but but we'll we'll yes, let Isaac have his Isaac can have his closing yes. statement, and that's cool. All right. Well, thanks, Isaac. Okay. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> all righty then. Wow. Okay. Well, that was interesting. I, I, I'm glad Isaac is a fan of science. I wish he would like apply himself <laughs> it's more okay. to it. I mean, I think when when we get to the blog, uh, there's some people that can interact. There will be more discussion and interaction, yeah. and people can kind of ferret this out a little better, and maybe we can untease some of this tangle. So I'm going to go ahead and we'll we'll go ahead and give uh, Min a pop. Did I pronounce that right? That's Antioch, California. Hello, Tracy. Yes. Okay. Wait. You're on with Tracy and Jen, and it says here. I'm. I'm not going to read the call screen description because I'm. I'm not sure what it means. So, um, you are a theist, and you're calling about something dealing with uh, religion and potentially harmful aspects of religion, and what might be a good idea. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I wasn't clear. It might not have been you. I don't know. The, the way it's written is a little confusing, but I don't know that that indicates yeah, that you so were confusing. My, my question is, do you think that if most people who are religious believe in the, the religion in a mystical way instead of a literal interpretation of the text, and it's going to be less harmful in general? Yeah, I think what you're asking, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but what you're basically yeah. saying is, what if people saw religion more as metaphor than literal fact? Would that maybe be better if they just looked at it, these as metaphorical lessons or ideas? Yes. Yeah, I think that would be much better, actually. I think that would be awesome. 
Yes. I, mean, and, uh, I, I think that was kind of the point behind Aesop's fables. Was, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't have, and I think it's it's very interesting for a lot of people actually to go back and read ancient texts, whether they're mm-hmm. religious in nature or not, because it gives you a window into other cultures and other ideas, and and uh, I, I think it's a way to to look at it and say, wow, you know, people thought this way, or this is an interesting idea that I've actually come across this in mm-hmm. recent, you know, papers that. I've seen or articles that I've seen, and I didn't realize that this idea went clear back to Taoism. I didn't realize that, you know, and so there's a, I think there's a lot to be gained just from looking at where people have been and what they've worked through already and what they have maybe gotten wrong or gotten right and uh, and just how those cultures viewed the world and how differently people can view the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I think, uh, you know, like for myself, when I come to dealing with um the abstract concepts, you know, like knowing things in science do not really help me much because I trust, you know, my gut instinct and intuition that I learned from when I, when I read a religious story, it helped me make the decision better. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that there are a lot of people quickly. who are better served by examples or analogies. Yeah. I do think that there's there that sometimes you can some people don't get them at all. Like sometimes you can use an analogy and they'll be like, Well, that analogy is flawed and they'll pull out some really weird, irrelevant thing and say that doesn't mm-hmm. work and you're like that really has nothing to do with what I'm trying to use the analogy for. But some people really get analogies. Like you'll use, you'll tell a story, you'll say, hey, mm-hmm. it's kind of like this. And they're like, oh, the light bulb, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't think you're alone. I think that some people absorb information better from examples than from straight up explanations. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Tracy, I, I know that you, in one episode, you you saying that some people are able to treat people well when they recognize like um, the point of fairness and they don't necessarily have empathy for people but they still do yeah so that's why I I wonder I mean do you mean like in the case like some people they are who are willing to sacrifice themselves for a cause that they they believe like a a noble cause and then do do you think that that empathy is from um, you know um, the logical uh, reasoning. Um, no, I will um, say, I'm going to say that the, the the one person I know who says they, they lack empathy, they don't understand empathy, and they operate from a fairness perspective, I would yeah. be extremely skeptical that they would be willing to die to help anybody else. Right. Um, they're not, yeah. they're, they're, they're kind of a, their attitude is more of a live and let live than intervene to help. But they definitely are always very clear that they're not a malicious person. So mm-hmm. there's a big divide between someone who goes out to hurt people and someone who is simply right. uninterested in helping people. Right. So mm-hmm. he's not on the spectrum of I would hurt somebody. And he's, he gets angry when people say, Oh, look at how this person abused this other person or abused this animal. They have no empathy. And he's like, I have no empathy either. And I would never do that. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not a lack of empathy that makes people proactively vicious. But the lack of empathy can, I think, like with my sample set of one, uh, impede the capacity to care enough to want to help people. 
Right. Um, other than outside of the idea of somehow helping them will ultimately help society, ultimately help me, and therefore I will help them, right? Like, for example, they support um, community. When, when you have those discussions on community fire departments where people have to pay, and if you don't pay, your house can burn down, mm-hmm. they're just like, I really don't want my neighborhood burning down. So right. I do want everyone to have access to fire services, and I don't think it's, like, fair or in my best interest to say that everyone has to contribute, and if you don't, we're not going to send the fire department out to stop your house from burning down because that impacts us all. And so it's more of a self-interest that drives that from from his perspective. But uh, it is interesting the way that different people, there's something I read about recently, like in the last year or so, called alexithemia, where people have difficulty with Mm -hmm. emotional processing, and they don't have internal dialogues, and they're not aware of their emotional uh, reactions to things. They have more of a physical existence, and their emotions affect them more on a physical level than it does from most of us have this sort of emotional impact that we experience that they don't. And that's interesting to me because they still survive and thrive and go out into the world and live their lives and navigate society. And yet they don't share our emotional responses. And it's only like 10 or 20% of the population, I think, that mm-hmm. is, is, you know, has any mm-hmm. sort of, uh, tendencies in this area. Mm-hmm. But it so it's like a, a you know small percentage of the population and yet when you meet them they operate using different different uh, views, right? So they they act very similar, but it's motivated by different things and you would never know it until you start to talk to them on a certain level and you start realizing something's really different about this person. They they're, they're yeah. not getting this or that that's like why don't they get this? And but yet the the way they behave is normal. And so for example, I had one friend who has this, who um, we went uh, on a trip where somebody was going to be staying in a tent, and they asked me how good a driver the person was. And I thought that was a weird question to ask how good a driver is our friend that Mm. we're dropping off who's going to be staying in a tent. We were going to go stay in a cabin. And they said, I don't like the idea that this person is staying here and they don't have transportation. And since Mm. my car is already here and we're taking your car to the other location— I want to leave them my car, but I don't want to leave my car with somebody that's an irresponsible driver, are they? And I was like, oh, I think they would be okay with your car, and so they left the car. But the thing was, they didn't have the emotional empathy to say, I wouldn't want to be isolated without a car, and so Mm -hmm. they shouldn't be isolated. It was more of a pragmatic, materialistic assessment of the situation to say there is a need here um, if there is an emergency, this person will not have a vehicle. And it was very, very pragmatic mapping of the situation that still resulted in them actually being more, quote, thoughtful than me. Because I didn't even mm-hmm. think about leaving a car. You know, but it's like, here's mm. this person who has no emotional, you know, feedback that's actually recognizable to them. And yet they were able to see from a, from, like I say, a practical material perspective that a car would be necessary if there's an emergency for this person. And so they should have a car. And so it was weird because they came to a very, what we would consider a thoughtful conclusion without any real empathetic consideration for the other person. Right. People can navigate the world in, right. in ways like this. They, they find and, ways to mitigate these things that they're missing, and they don't even know they're, that it, they're missing it until someone tells them there's something different about you. And uh, this conversation reminds me of, you know, people that do have empathy, that experience that, um, not responding to that can be very, very uncomfortable for people with normal empathy. I say normal, like an average level of empathy, sure. right? So yeah. I was on a plane one time. We were leaving. <clears throat> the, several flights had been delayed. I'm sitting there. A guy comes in. He's, he's boarding pretty late. 
sits down in the seat, um, and it's a middle seat and everything. And he's he is saying, "Hey, you know, my last flight um, got canceled, and the one before that got canceled. And every time I thought I was going to have a chance to get something to eat, and I never did. And I'm just glad to be on this flight, but gosh, I'm starving." And I sat there, and the more I sat there, and I thought about this guy, you know, going hours without food. Right. And it was bothering me because I had a cliff bar in my bag. Right. And so I ended up, um, I had to take the cliff bar out of my bag and give it to him because I could not sit there. Right. And knowing that this guy is extremely uncomfortable for right. lack of food. And, I mean, he got the cliff bar. He's like, oh, my God, you have no idea. This is like a steak to me. Right. You know? Well, <laughs> and, so, and that's a great example, right? So you have the situation where you're saying the empathy made me give the guy the cliff bar. Yeah. And I, I have the alexithemic friend who would say, this person's hungry. I have a candy bar. I'm right. not eating it. Um, here, here's a candy bar if you want one, you know, because yeah. <laughs> I've got an extra candy bar. Right. And then you've got the guy that I'm saying has, you know, no empathy and um, works, operates on what he considers a sense of fairness. And he would just be like, yeah, sucks to be you. Yeah. And <laughs> unless he was starving yeah. to death, then the the, the last guy would be like, I'm not going to let somebody starve to death because we can't treat people like that in a society. We won't survive as a society, so let's give the guys food. Mm -hmm. So it's weird how all these people navigate the world in different ways based on their capacities. Right. You know, and, and I think um, a lot of folks don't get that. And I, I never really, I even though I had this friend, I never really thought about the idea of looking at malicious or abusive behavior. Um, and and still being able and and how people say things like oh that's because they have no empathy and mm -hmm. and how that would affect a person who says hey I'm not a horrible person I just you know yeah I don't I don't hurt anybody and I wouldn't abuse an animal and I'm you know I have no drive to do harm just because right. I don't care <laughs> about you know, somebody else being harmed um, but anyway yeah. I I appreciate your call man um, and yes I agree I think that if it was you know if we looked at it more as metaphorical lessons that would probably drop a lot of the of the battles over truth that come up and in really vicious ways and like drop a lot of the fear, drop a lot of the hate uh, that's associated with some of the more toxic varieties of authoritarian religion. Yeah, and I had to say that, you know, like Jane is, I guess, one of the few exceptions I know because in my life and from my own experience, people who do good, you know, like, for example, holding door for somebody behind me or mm -hmm. money for homeless people, those things, they, I mean, they do it, but they don't, actually doesn't do harm to the person who do good. But in some situation, and from my own experience too, that when I do good to somebody, I would get hurt in the process. And the reason I'm able to do it, because I really believe that, you know, it is my, you know, <laughs> my destiny to help. Yeah. Or it is... I am supposed to do it okay. and yeah. other people who sacrifice themselves to help somebody even though they know they will get hurt and, and they're usually religious so well, I, think I that's why I'm. I, I mean, I, well, I served, Jen comes from a military background, so yes, I served in the of, army for a long time, and um, I, I would disagree with that. Yeah, uh, so she's probably been around a lot of people who were willing to sacrifice for other reasons than God beliefs. But yeah. yes, certainly a God belief can motivate a person to, you know, go to their death or to kill. Um, you know, it, it can motivate either way to, to die or kill people for your religion. And uh, 
And, and that's not always a good thing. I think it, there are times when it's helpful, you know, and, and even in times when we don't understand it. Like I think I gave the example of self-immolation earlier. Mm-hmm. And that may seem, you know, to some people just yeah. completely out of control. But if you're in a situation where you're desperate and you feel like you need to draw attention and that your life is going to be um, not served basically – by not doing something. Yeah. If you feel like you can do more with your death than with your life, then I understand kind mm-hmm. of where you're coming from on that. Although, wow, that's gruesome. Yeah. <laughs> but, Yikes. Uh, but I think that's the point, right, is, is to say that I would rather die this way than to continue living in what we're going through right now. And if this can help other people to uh, have a better life, then I'm willing to die in this horrible way that, that brings attention to this cause, which, you know, it's, it's arguable. People might say, whoa, that's you know not the route I would take or there's other routes. Um, but yeah, thank you for yeah. your call. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I, I, uh, Tracy. Uh, can I be? Can you please uh, give me uh, your explanation, even just briefly, uh, like in your mind, like when you know that when you do something, like you sacrifice yourself for your mm-hmm. comrades in the military. I mean, how would you do it? Would just your reasoning without oh, believing? Oh, I'm not like, saying that. that no, Jen's thought. Jen was actually telling a story about how she does have empathy. Jen has empathy, yeah. right? She's right. She's not one of those people who doesn't. Um, I was giving some examples <laughs> yeah. of people I know who have different situations that impact their empathy or impair it. And with Jen, she's saying she has a normal level of empathy, and what motivates her is just the idea that she feels bad for somebody, and so she'll give them the candy bar. Well, no, I mean, I think he was asking specifically about, you know, in the military examples of, you know, why people would sacrifice. Without religion? Without religion. Okay. You know, and... And yeah, it's so like 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 why you would you know jump in front of a, a shooting to 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 protect your comrade and when you know that you would get hurt and yeah and if if you and with your logical reasoning how would you process that? Um, well, part of it is empathy because you train with these people and they're your yeah. brothers and sisters in arms and you're going to sacrifice for them. Um, yeah. But the other part of it is uh, we're completely focused on the mission. And so yeah. whatever sacrifice we need to make to accomplish the mission, that's what we're going to do. So sometimes okay. that means, you know, somebody makes the ultimate sacrifice to make sure right. the rest of the unit can continue Well, and uh, correct to do the me mission. if I'm wrong, but doesn't it also mean making really painful decisions about allowing someone else exactly. to die, right, and not intervening, even though you might have an empathetic drive to want to do so? Right, and and that's one of the, I guess, the burdens of command is that you may have to order people yeah. into combat where some people will almost certainly die, and, yeah. you know, you have to be able to, to do that, but... You know, again, it's it's all about the mission. But, but I mean, I, I've known people who, um, pilots, for example, who were under no obligation to land in a hot LZ to pick up somebody who had been injured, and they did it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And these were not religious people. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Some people just I care see. about people because yeah. people. Yeah. Does that help? Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Um, thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you, Jen. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Appreciate your call. All right. So I have been told that yes, we can we can go on after six o'clock, which is good because we're already after six o'clock. I'm okay with doing that. Are you okay with yeah, taking? We I'm have a, we have a few more calls to clean up. So yeah, I think I'm gonna take my uh, email thing and I'll just post it up on the blog. Which do I it. Plan to I do think anyway. It would be fun. 
Is this the this is the uh, the homophobic? Yeah, yeah this yeah. is the. It was an epic takedown. I I don't generally yeah. look too much at the emails, but when I did, I saw that one, and I told Jen that was incredible. And can I share that out on Facebook? So I'll, so I'll, I'll go ahead and tease it so that people. I've, I've talked about this on Godless Bitches before, but I'll go ahead and tease it here with the email. So this guy writes to us. He wants to ask a question about acceptance of homosexuality in the community. And he says, it's not from the Christian perspective, but from a philosophical and evolutionary one. Yeah. So his claim or his, his email is, if we take the premise that we as mammals are biologically hardwired for our survival and the survival of our species, then would not having the instincts for reproduction or sexual encounters with members of the opposite sex be by definition... Um, a mental disorder, basically, um, would would it be a, a disorder? Is what he's trying to say to be inclined toward members of the same sex, um, because ordinary uh, sexual behavior is sexual attraction to healthy members of the opposite sex, so you can bear healthy offspring. Would it not be more accurate to put it on par with anxiety, depression, schizophrenia, autism, etc.? Should these people be treated? I'm not talking pray the gay away type camps, but research into medications. I didn't even catch in the original time reading of this thing the the that that term healthy. Mm-hmm. That's even weirder, right? So basically, yes. if you're attracted to somebody who's paraplegic, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, I'm like, wow, that's even worse than what, what I you thought in the original email. If your spouse is a carrier of say the cystic fibrosis gene and you reproduce with them, and it turns out you're also a carrier, then there's something wrong with you because you could have unhealthy offspring. Um, I think what he's saying, though, is that if you know, like if yeah. you have an awareness that the person has any sort, I mean, and, and yeah. that's like, that begs the question, or not begs the yeah. question, sorry, that raises the question of uh, what would be like the level of unhealthy right. that, that should turn you off to the point that you would not partner with a person or else you're right. mentally ill. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, my guess, <laughs> my thing is that sometimes... How bad, how sometimes, sick do I have to be before I'm no longer Yeah, and, and sometimes... Um, unhealthy conditions are not evident just from looking at someone. Yeah. You know, you don't know. But he goes on to say, um, or should they not be treated because they are happy uh, that way and they are not hurting anyone? If that's the case, then should we also not be treating the schizophrenics happily having conversations with themselves or autistic people happily sitting in a corner playing with Legos? I'm not kidding you. He wrote this. This is his words. Um, I would really like your opinion on homosexuality as a mental illness. Why it is, isn't, should, shouldn't be considered one, and what separates it from the conditions mentioned above. And I just want to say that if you if you have a condition that could in a usually even what we would categorize as like um, things that could ultimately be be a mental illness, right? Like you talking about schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. If you hear voices, but you navigate your life okay, yeah. you recognize these voices are a product of your schizophrenia. You're not believing them. Right. You understand to disregard them, and you don't hear them all the time, and they're not compelling you to try to hurt people or yourself, and you just go about your business and you do fine. They're probably You probably can get away without mm-hmm. being treated and being told that you're functional mm-hmm. and that you know there's not a problem until it starts to really impact your life in some exactly. negative way that you either is hurting you, hurting other people, and you're either aware or not aware and go in for self-treatment or someone else reports it because they're afraid that you're, you know, going to kill yourself or hurt yourself in some way. Um, but frankly, you can hear voices and still not take antipsychotics and still be okay. Right. 
You know, it's like I know I've known people like that as well. And and you know what? If you are in that situation and you're navigating your life okay, and you decline to take the medication, you are within your rights to do that. No one should be able to force you to take medication that you feel is not necessary. Yeah. And as far as autism, there are so many perspectives on that, right? Like I have tons of friends who are like, why would you even call it a disorder? Is this different? Right. You know, and, um, you know, obviously there are some, I guess, people on the spectrum who are less functional, more functional. Right. You know, what what are you going to do? Yeah, my my thing is that, you know, most of the people with the conditions he described seek some sort of intervention uh, because the condition impairs some aspect of their life. So well, that's usually how they end up diagnosed, right? right. As they say something's right. weird here. Something's not ha- happening. That's and so not, that's not you know yeah, happening to other people. I mean, autism kind of gets. Autism is not a mental illness. It is like a part of like neurodiversity kind of a thing. They're different. Yeah. And one of the the things that happens with um, autistic kids in particular, they're typically diagnosed because they have some sort of communication delay. And so the intervention for them might be, you know, some kind of therapy that allows them to communicate more effectively, you know, or some other sort of thing that allows them to manage uh, overwhelming stimuli. Yeah, know? yeah. So so that they can, it's not about making them, you know, conform so much as it is helping them develop strategies for navigating the world that may be confusing or distressing to them. Mm-hmm. And so that was the point, you know, that's the point of treatment. It's not to make people conform to whatever somebody else thinks is acceptable. Right, and I know people also who are advocates for people with disabilities who get very, very upset about the idea that um, it's sufficient to put them into treatments or to even subject them to surgeries because they mm-hmm. don't conform to normal standards and not necessarily because this is beneficial to the person, right? Right, And sometimes it's beneficial to the caregiver and not beneficial to the person. Uh, and I've, you know, and I, I've seen some really gruesome examples where they will say, what would you think if someone did this to a person? And I think, I think that would be horrible. And they're like, well, this is what's done to people with this particular disability. Right. And it's done because the caregiver is, has an easier time once this is done. And it, there is no medical benefit to the person. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, this is, you know, now you're bordering, well, you're, you're crossing boundaries. Right. Um, of medicine that's actually helping people and basically saying, we're not, we don't care if this medical intervention, um, is actually going to be helpful to the person who we're trying to help. It's just about making it more convenient for a caregiver. Right. And it's like, wow, okay, this is this is this is dangerous territory. Yeah. So anyway, so that's the tease. I'll put this up, including my response, and then his response, in which yeah, do it. Uh, yeah, he calls me a cunt because I wasn't entertaining of his yeah. bigotry. And this is the guy so. that complained you tone trolled. Or yeah. he, to- he tone trolled you. He yes. complained with a tone trolling yes. email, and I guess now has called you that. Okay. Yeah. Nothing I know. We could have had a productive tone. discussion if I wasn't and, such a yeah. cunt about and it. And all I can say is if you have a problem with Jen, don't insult me. <laughs> right? You don't have to insult all women just because a person who you're having an right. issue with happens to also be a woman. So yes. maybe just make your insults specific. <laughs> <laughs> It's like that. I love the. Uh, somebody told me they were glad that I did. Uh, I mentioned outnumbered because I love the little mm-hmm. atheist slash Christian slash. She's like this very you know religious. She's like a religious voice on the show and a and an atheist voice on the show. Mm-hmm. And she makes all these great observations when she was little. I haven't seen the show in years, but um, 
there was something like a scene where she says something. She she would always say these things that sounded very childishly innocent, and then she would follow up with something gruesomely more <laughs> horrific. And so she would she said at this one point, like the mother and father are having an argument, and the father is like, I guess doesn't like someone, and the mother and the little girl is just like, but you know, but do you know so and so? And the and and the father's just like, well, you know, you should only I forget how they put it, but she says something like, how can you hate someone you've never met? You know, how can you hate people that you've never met? And the mother looks at the father in a sort of told you so way, and she's like, exactly, Karen. <laughs> and the little girl goes, you should only hate people you know. <laughs> and it's like, I just love how they, you know, use her as like this humor thing. She's yeah. great. Um, but, I, yeah, the, the little shows back when she was small were just a hoot. And she has a lot to say about religion and, and uh, atheism yeah. and human Satanism. And it's just, it's just the cutest little thing. So with that, we do have some callers waiting who are probably like, stop talking about your old TV shows and let's get some calls going on. And I think Chuck has been waiting the longest. This is Chuck in Fullerton, California. You were religious. You left the Mormon church. You read the Bible. And, oh, wow. Wow, right? I mean, you're on with Jen and Tracy, and uh, go ahead and, and let off some steam for a few minutes, and then we'll get to the next call. <laughs> well, I I just I just thought maybe a rejection of the Bible in the Bible would be good information to share with deluded Christians. Good luck. Well, yeah. <laughs> good luck with well, that. The thing I mean, is, that they're, I'm going to give you the quotations. Yeah, in yeah. I, I'm guaranteeing you it's been done, but yeah. feel well, free because sometimes people haven't heard it before. So give okay. it your best in shot. In Genesis, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was out form and void, and there was darkness on the face of the deep. And God said, Let there be light. And the light he called day, and the dark he called night. And he thought that was pretty good. Mm hmm. But he didn't create the sun and the moon until the fourth day. Yep. Yeah. How can you have an evening and a morning for three days without a sun and a moon? Because God, time is relative with God. Yeah. He's outside of time and space. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next. <laughs> uh, in Genesis, um, I think three, six something, it says, and God said it's not good that Adam should, that man should be alone. I call that discovery. I call that God learning something. Sure. Mm -hmm. But how could God be omnipotent if He can still learn things? Not all people. Not, not all people think that God finished. is omnipotent. Yeah. He goes on to say, "So out of the dust of the ground, He creates all the beasts of the field, all the birds of the sky, and all the creepy crawly things, and they brought them to Adam, mm -hmm. and whatever Adam called them, that's what they were called." But there was not found for Adam a helpmate. Right. All that failure. None of them mm -hmm. were, were sufficient partners, which I thought was very interesting uh, because yeah, what if Adam would have really dug the horse, right? I yeah. mean, it's like, <laughs> I love this thing. We're calling it horse, and this is the one for me, right? This is, we're, we're pair bonded. He out to create Adam a helpmate, and yeah. he failed. Yeah. But then the next little phrase says, well, no, he, he uh, out of the dust of the ground, he created all the beasts of the fields. And so he caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep, and then he took one of Adam's ribs. So mm -hmm. not only did God fail, he was working in the wrong medium. He was working in dust when he should have been working in ribs. I guess. I mean, he was working and it, the dust worked for making man. So I guess he figured all these other animals would be just as good. Well, the, that's the point. The point is that the Bible says God failed. 
Well, it says he doesn't know. It says he doesn't know stuff either. When he when he makes the flood, it's because he regrets making man. Right? What is a regret right. for somebody well, that has foresight? I, I'm not. I'm, <laughs> right. I, I'm sure that there are many, 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 many yeah. uh, errors in the Bible. I mean, and I mean, because it was written by man. Well, and the thing uh, is that that flood one. story, though, that's. I mean, to to there's realize that one. you've made such a major one. Major mistake. Hang on. And then we can hold, hold on. Hang on. Minute. Jen wants to make an observation. So that flood story is such a major fuck up because how bad do you have to screw up to realize that not only well, have you messed up a few people here, yeah, but you've I, got to erase I, the I, whole I, world. That was a do over. I mean, let's yeah. just face it. That was a big d- yeah. divine do over. Like, oh, I, I screwed the pooch on this one, and we need well, a do over. The next one is a, the, my last one is about the flood. Okay. If you read Genesis 7, 6, you will find out that Noah's Shem, Ham, and Jephthah, that's, I guess, his three sons, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was born when Noah was 500 years old. Pretty amazing. And Mm -hmm. 100 years later, when Noah was 600 years old, is when the flood came. But if you read Genesis 11, 10, all the way through, you will find a two-year error in when Shem's first offspring was born, that he was born when Shem was 100 years old, two years before the flood. And and it's a two-year error in the Bible. Have you Googled it? Have I Googled it? Yeah. I've got the Bible here in front of me. No, I'm saying, have you Googled to see the apologetic response to it? No. You need to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I can I can almost guarantee you that whatever a person can come up with that is a, quote, error in the Bible, there is going to be an apologist somewhere who says, this is why this is not an error in the Bible. I, I, I am pretty confident that I, I would be stunned if somebody came up with anything that was new that a person who is a believer hasn't said, here's why this is not a mistake. They, they, they already have it. And so what happens is you'll tell a theist this stuff. You'll say, look, it's a mistake. And they'll be like, whoa. And then they go online and Google it. That's the first thing they're going to do, right? Yeah. And they're going to find a preacher who's written a sermon who talks about this stuff and who says, this is not an error and this is why. And they're going to make the, the necessary connections and hoops to jump through in order to explain why something that seems like a straightforward mistake well, isn't. You didn't, you didn't like the, um, God was working in the wrong medium. He was working. Well, it's not about me liking it or not. I'm simply telling you that. Well, I mean, why would anybody? How could this Bible? You're preaching to the choir, dude. You're you're preaching to the choir. What you need to do, if you have the question, why would anybody believe this, or why would anybody, you know, do they not know this? I'm saying go and Google, and you'll see if they know it or not. If somebody's addressed it, and in nine, I'm going to say that they probably have. Right? I know that this is kind of new to you because you're looking at it and you're going, oh my gosh, this is so messed up, and that's the reaction of many people who read the Bible for the first time. Right? If you if you haven't been raised in religion, but what you'll find as well is that there is going to be an apologist somewhere online who has written an article so that when you call this out, the Christian is going to go to that article, they're going to see this sort of half-assed explanation, and they're going to say, good enough for me, uh, it's not a mistake, no, here's I, this article. I was, going to, I was going to preface my little sermon here with, uh, this was aimed at the deluded Christians. I well, understand. Are, yes. And they're the ones that are going to go Google what the apologist The thing is, says. though, they're not deluded. They, they don't suffer from delusions. Okay, they're indoctrinated, and that's why they well, believe the things they believe. The result of indoctrination is delusion. No, it isn't. Delusion it is, is actually a mental illness, 
And this is not delusion. Delusion is a mental illness? Yes. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, actually delusion it is. Delusion just, is just being deceived. Um, deceived that's... is not a mental illness. Okay, there's a colloquial term and there's like a diagnostic term. And I think what Jen is kind of pointing out is that there are some people who um, deal with mental illness that might take issue with the idea of using something that can also well, be a diagnosis. I, I, I get it. and But the point is, yeah. you're... For you, and I get it, for you, this is new, and so you're just like, what the hell? Like, you're looking at what's in the Bible, and it's stunning to you. And every atheist who reads the Bible or who sees these errors is just like, what the heck? This is stunning that it's so messed up. And when they go and present it to a Christian, the first thing the Christian is going to do is go and look for the religious response to it online. They're going to find the religious response to it. They're going to come back to you with that response and say, here's my answer, cut and paste. And, and I have noticed that whenever you try to convince somebody of something, it almost always drives them farther into their delusion, their deception. They're being deceived. In other words, they go and try to they go and try to find somebody who will give them an answer. Well, that they can, this is they why I, this is why I tend to and, and like I say, this is what like from the earlier call at the start of the show. I can't tell people what to do. But what I can say is that I have not found it productive to try to argue with Christians from the Bible. It it becomes a, a quagmire of them just looking for excuses for why the Bible is yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. And so what I tend to do is just say well, I'm not accepting the Bible unless we can verify that what's in it is accurate. There is a there is a phrase that I think is apropos here, and that is they are accepting authority as the truth instead of the truth as authority. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I, I, get, I get it. But just like when when the guy called us and was trying to tell us what we believe because we use the atheist label and so oh, we must that believe. That was the most boring part of well, the Well, but I've at the same time, to. at the same time, if you're going to go to people and tell them that their book has contradictions, you need to understand how they view the book. And you need to understand how they interpret these things that you're saying are two contradictions. Two and two is four. I two agree, four. but what I'm saying and is that if you're going to go to them, you're going to need to understand how they think and how oh, they— Oh, I've, I've taken this to many people, and, you know, they they just want to change the subject. Well, yeah, and, and like Tracy's saying, that you know, arguing the Bible— with Christians is not a productive way of deconverting them in most cases. Yeah, it means many things to many people. Like you're saying, Bible. you're saying two plus well, two equals four, but the Bible is not a mathematical but, problem. But, but here's the thing, Chuck, according to your own statement here, you didn't deconvert because of what you read in the Bible. You deconverted and no. then you read the Bible. Yeah. Well, I've read the Bible many times before I deconverted. It's just that the deconversion process took about six, seven, eight years, you know. Okay. I first of all decided that, that that Jesus Christ never existed. Right. And then I continued to make excuses for, you know, the God, you know, to make God what has been, I've learned later, is called a deist, you know, the, a God who doesn't care. He created the earth and he created the people, but he doesn't answer prayers and, you know, he's not there you know, watching you if you if you masturbate, you know, in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. um, but then as I went on farther and farther, you know, with knowing the history of 
the Catholic Church and other religions and the way they change when the political atmosphere changes, um, the way that the Catholic Church embraced the, the Nazis in the 40s, uh, that you come to say that, that, that God never existed. I mean, there was no God. We, we are here. I guess until we find out how we got here, we were here as a result of accidents. You know, the the whatever sequence of events that took place that created life. Well, okay, thank <laughs> you right. very much. Yeah, right. no problem. Um, I, yeah, and I do want to say, I mean, people grapple with this when they first become atheists, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of things that you do, like he's describing reading the Bible. There were things that I read a lot of treatises, you know, books that ta- that talked about certain uh, aspects mm-hmm. of the Bible, certain parts of the Bible. And I would hear a claim in one of these books from a historian or something, you know, like somebody that was studying, you know, Jewish folklore or whatever, and they would say that the Bible said this or that. And I'd be like, no, 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 that's not what it said because right. yeah. I remember that story. And I'd go back to the Bible and I'd read it and they were totally right. It was this weird experience, right, where you're seeing the same story that you read a million times and suddenly you see that it didn't say what you what, right. what it, you thought it said. And it's the most bizarre thing because then you sort of realize how messed up, what indoctrination did to your head. People, right. um, it, it can really be a almost frightening experience, right? Because you're saying, how did I always read it this way? And they told me this other thing. And then and that's how it became that story to me. But it's not that story. They told me that's what the story was saying. And so I read that, and that's what the story was saying. And now somebody's telling me, if you just read it, that's not what it says. And I'm just reading it, and they're not telling me what it's saying anymore. And it doesn't say what they said. Right. It's the weirdest thing. And so I want to just give a little bit of you know sympathy to our caller here because it is shocking and when you encounter this as somebody who was like a former believer, especially I think you said he was a Mormon. And so when mm-hmm. you're in this very deep state of church and you come out and you start looking at this information again and realizing it is nothing like what you thought it was. Mm-hmm. There was this weird, surreal interpretation of things that you fell into because you were told to interpret it this way when you were little. And so you think other people aren't reading it right when in reality someone has told you to read it a particular way mm-hmm. and that becomes the way you read it. And then when you start to see that it doesn't really say that, that they've just told you it says that. It's strange. Yeah. And I even had this, and it's kind of a surreal experience, sitting in front of an apologist who was telling me that the Bible is is the literal word of God. It's meant to be taken literally, and you don't need any interpretation. And he goes and he reads me a passage, and then he turns and he says, now what this means is... Yeah. You have to read it with the right... Yeah, you know, way you got to understand with understanding the yes. right understanding, and that and that's what that means, right? You have to read it in the way that we've told you to read it, and what. Uh, so I know when you know when a caller comes on like that, and I'm guilty of it. Like I just kind of was like, okay, here we go again, you know, because I've seen this a million times, and it's very difficult to convert somebody. You know, I, I do appreciate, for example, the Matt's discussions on slavery and stuff like that. When mm-hmm. when a Christian is clearly misrepresenting what's in the Bible mm-hmm. and when you can come back and say, no, this is actually right here. Let me read the verse for you. Let me look at the context. And, you know, and you're just simply wrong about what's in your Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
what he's dealing with, there are going most certainly the Christians are going to go look at the apologetic response, come back with it. It is a very, very difficult thing to argue the Bible with a Christian. You are going to get into a quagmire of interpretations. Right. The fact that Christians themselves of many sects are arguing about what's in their own Bibles should right. give you a clue that an argument with Christians about what's in the Bible is going to be a, a mess. And and at the end of it, it's going to come down to, well, I just have faith or— you know, yeah, even if you get God. somewhere, even if you corner somebody, right. you be prepared for, yeah, and yeah. I still believe in God because um, that happens too. I'm not going to tell people don't don't try. Mm-hmm. And I'm even going to say that there are some people who can probably say, hey, I argued with somebody and showed them stuff in the Bible, and ultimately they you know, they ended up not believing anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Right. I'm just saying know the pitfalls, <laughs> right? Be aware and, and don't just think like that you found that one aha verse that's going to work on yeah. the Christians, and now it's all going to topple. It's not how it works. Yeah. So, we have one more going on here, and thanks for the patience. This is Stephen in Tomball, Texas, and you're on with Jen and Tracy seeking advice on how to talk with theists about signs from God. So, let's hear. What do you got? Stephen? Hey! Mom? Yeah. My mom's mom, she... Yes, ma'am. My mom's mom died about maybe a year ago, and on that night that she passed away, uh, we were all sitting outside, and... My mom was praying in the corner in her little seat outside. I could see her. And then all of a sudden, I just hear her start screaming and like pointing at the sky. And me and my dad and her brothers turned around and she's like, I saw a shooting star stuff. And um, she said that she was praying for some kind of sign from her mom. And then that shooting star went by. And I just wanted to see what you guys thought about that because I think it's. Maybe she thought she saw it or something. Oh, okay. First of all, I like to go camping. You can see a shooting star on almost any night. Yeah. So shooting stars are not rare. Now, they're certainly more common during something like a meteor shower, which I don't know when this thing happened, but recently we had the Ursid meteor shower. Just FYI, we recently had a meteor shower. And I don't know if this is when your mom saw her sign or not, but the point is even without a meteor shower, you're going to see falling stars because crap is falling through our atmosphere all the time. Um, And so— I can not only look up at the sky and see meteor showers, but when you get away from too much light, you can see uh, satellites, right? You can watch the satellites go by, and they're kind of cool too. So there's a lot of stuff in the sky. Shooting stars are not that rare. Um, It's probably also not that rare that your mom prays to her mom or prays or talks or thinks about her mom, right? I'm going to say that if she was sitting there praying to her mother that night and you said that she passed away, what, about a year ago, did you say? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So your mother still probably thinks about this, and she probably thinks on it, prays about it. You know, I'm assuming if she's religious, she probably prays often. And if this prayer for her mom or for this sign that her mother's okay or whatever um, is probably a general part of her prayers. And if she's doing this all the time, and then the one, you know, at some point, there's a lot of falling stars. There's a lot of prayers for mom. And I look up and I saw a falling star. And I think if it wasn't the falling star, it would have been something else, right? A butterfly lands on her hand. Or, you know, it could have been all kinds of things that could have happened. Um, yeah. But I've definitely seen more falling stars than butterflies landing on my hand. Uh, it, it's not a rare event. So with one thing being a pretty common event and one thing probably happening very frequently several times a day, I would guess, if your mother's very religious and still thinks about her mother within the last year, which would not be unusual, um, just having two frequently occurring events within a year somehow coinciding to me is not that, you know, it, it's a nice story, but... 
I don't think that there's anything very weird about it. Yeah, just out of curiosity, do you remember the time of year when she saw this shooting star? Um, I believe it was near the end of 2017. Oh, this was a while okay. back. This isn't anything so, to do with Ursid then. Yeah. Yeah, so, because um, I, I was just curious, because the Perseids were active, they're active every year um, between July and August. So if it was sometime in that time frame, it was probably the Perseids, which yeah. those are some pretty spectacular meteor showers. Yeah. Um, they certainly raise the odds. If it happens during yeah. the, t- the term of a meteor shower or on a clear night, for but, example, if there's no clouds, right? You, yeah. you can just see the sky. If you don't live where there's tons of light, you have a better view and better capacity. I see. I go out and do walks through the neighborhood, and it's not unusual for me to see shooting stars every now yeah, and then. Yeah, I was going to say, I, th- I think I saw one yeah. like, and I live in the last week or something. Yeah, yeah and you know, not a sign from God. Yeah, so I mean, I understand her feelings about what happened. People are very moved often by coincidences, right? I mean, right. think about I it, mean, it has meaning to you, and, you know, but... Yeah, humans are pattern-seeking animals, and we tend to attribute agency to these things when we observe them, Yeah, even when there's no agency involved. Yeah. And part of that is a survival mechanism. You know, if you were an early primitive human walking through the savanna and you saw the grass rustling... Um, it, the ones who survived were the ones who assur- assumed it was a predator in the grass, and they ran away. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones who said, oh, it's probably nothing, were the ones that got eaten. Right. So we're primed to see agency in these events. And we're also even. sky watchers, right? right? I mean, celestial events mean yeah. a lot to people. Eclipses are huge, right, um, yeah. among cultures and that can see the sky. Um, and so— you have this capacity or this the, all these stories that have to do with, if you look up mythology around shooting stars, you'll find lots of different cultural stories about what is a shooting star, what does it represent, what does it mean, right? So we look for meaning in that event. It's not just like a leaf fell, right? I mean, she could have done something like that where she said then this leaf fell, but she probably views the shooting star as less mundane, right? And I understand why. People are so moved by celestial events. We see a thing that happens in the sky that isn't something you see every night, and you think, Oh, that's super cool because it is super cool to see a shooting star. But we also attach all this meaning to it, right? So we have a lot of meaning that our culture attaches to this already, saying that these things are somehow magical or these. But really, what we know what they are, right? It's it's a it's a rock or some debris falling through the atmosphere large enough to see the disintegration of it and the burn up as it comes through the atmosphere. So if you really think about it, how would a burning piece of rock going through the atmosphere? Like, how would you know that was a sign from God versus the fall of a leaf or versus um, a butterfly landing on your hand or versus stubbing your toe or getting a burned piece of toast? Or, I mean, what <coughs> constitutes a sign, right? We And it's because we have this meaning of falling stars as being somehow mystical and magical. <coughs> All right. I mean, does does that all make sense, or did you have other did you have other thoughts or questions on it, or was that what you were looking for? Yeah, I was just looking for like what you guys thought about that because I never it's probably because I don't go outside <laughs> yeah. much often than you guys do uh, probably, but I've never seen a shooting star before. Oh, uh, whenever my mom said that she saw one. How old, well, um, about how old are you? You don't have to give like too many details, but how old are you? I'm seventeen. Go camping. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and and go outside <laughs> next summer. 
uh, between about mid-July and the, about the third week of August, go outside and watch that the Perseids will yeah. be back again. And, and I can tell you that if you want to see a if if you want to see a satellite, right, you have to really look. They're tiny and they look to me at least any kind of red. So when you look up at the sky, you'll see them. They move in a straight line, and they just go very slowly across the sky. You'll be able to tell it's moving. It'll be like a tiny colored star, and it'll just go in a straight line. And you'll know it's not a plane because it won't blink. Right. Right? So it'll just keep going. It won't burn out, and it'll go away until it goes over the horizon and just disappears. And if you go camping, you might see three or four of those on a night. Mm -hmm. It's They're really cool. All right, I look forward to it. Okay. All right. Thanks for calling, Stephen. Thank you. All right. And with that, I'm going to invite folks to come on down for dinner, where, again, we're having Indian food here at the Free Thought Library on Caning, and you can Google that address. And I want to thank the crew and everybody that sets this yes. up and, and tells Those me guys. how I have to sit and how I have to lean. And there they are. Thank you so much, people. And thanks to the audience. And thanks to my guest host, Jen, for being here. And just, you know, thank, thank you. you, everyone. <laughs>